Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to Jeremy Scott Finch Podcast, a radio show coming to you on this Sunday, February the 26th, 2023. Hopefully it finds you staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. On today's episode, we are wrapping with Troy Casey, the certified health nut. But before we go down the rabbit hole with him, quick updates for you guys. One, the 40 Days of Fitness Challenge is kicking off here in a handful of days. I believe on March the 6th is the kickoff date. It's inside the app for you guys. So all the app members, it's 100% for free. For you kids who are not inside of there, if you want a free seven-day trial, just go to jeremyscuffitness.app. You can sign up, and you can rock with us inside of there. Again, 40 Days of Fitness, it's not real complex. We are doing fitness for all 40 days. You guys are moving. It doesn't mean you're going to rip your face off and do a Metcon every single day, but we will have the body moving through space. We build in the mobility. All the nutrition pieces are inside there as well. Again, it's the first time we've run it inside the app. And the first time we've done it in the app for free. So if you guys want to check it out, jeremyscottfitness.app slash 40 days of fitness. The link will be in the show notes and you guys can get hooked up from there. And real quick, you guys already know this episode is brought to you by my homies at Athletic Greens. The one thing I take every single day and I never miss. If you struggle to eat enough fruits and vegetables, and let's be real, almost all of us do, this would be the one thing I would throw into my life. And even me, admittedly, sometimes I'm just not going to eat six, seven servings of asparagus because I've just had it for the day. So this is what I take to cover the gaps in my nutrition. You still got to eat real food. Can't fill your body full of shit and just take this. It's not a miracle, but it will help you guys be a little bit healthier. If you want to check it out right now, we'll give you guys a year supply of vitamin D with the K2 and five free travel packs. If you go to athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott or Maybe you've heard me talk about it before. Maybe this is the first episode. If you guys want a free sample pack, we'll mail it right to your front door. Message us on the website, YouTube, Facebook, wherever you get in contact with us. And Monica will send you a pack right to your front door 100% for free. You can try it from there. If you like it, then get hooked up with all the free stuff. Again, my opinion, it's the best tasting greens. Um, So if you guys want to check it out, let me know. Athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott or hit us for a free sample today. So... Troy Casey, in the house. Ah. Welcome, my man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeremy. Uh, happy to be here. So, origin story. Um, you can go back as far as you want to go. You can tell people, you know, you're the certified health nut. You own that, I'm sure. Yes, yes, thank God. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, you can go. I'll, I'll dig into some of the stuff, but you start where you want to start. How did you get here, you know, wherever you want to? Where we want to how it. far do I want to go back? Well, let's see how quickly and how far I can go back. So yeah. my parents were hippies, Hate ashbury Summer Love, 1967. They went out there. My mom left my real father. They were fist fighting when I was in the womb. So uh, my mom uh, hung out with a mutual family friend, and uh, they were fighting. And uh, went out to uh, San Francisco, Summer Love, with my stepfather. Um, back and forth to East Coast, West Coast on my own when I was 14, started modeling, uh, in, um, just out of college and, uh, you're on your own at 14. I was on my own at 14. How does that work, dude? (laughs) When I'm 14, I'm like pissing my pants still. (laughs) So, well, my dad, the funny thing was, is, you know, he was a bit of a hippie beatnik and he started, my stepfather started hitchhiking early on in, in his life and he hitchhiked hitchhiked cross country a few times i think so at 12 1979 that was the uh opec uh gas crisis that was the second one the first one was in 73 when we had gas lines and stuff like that waiting in your car you you were 
not born yet, I'm sure. <laughs> no. no. And so 1979... Uh, the second gas crisis, uh, we were living out in the country. My friends would live like six miles away. My mom would have to drive me, and we'd have, you know, American V8s uh, back in the day. And, and the gas got really expensive really quick, so my stepfather was like, uh, yeah, your mom's not giving you any more rides. Get out there and hitchhike for yourself. So that was when I was 12. So I started, you know, getting out there and fending for myself uh, early on. And uh, we had some challenges growing up, I think, like everybody does, or somewhat yeah. like everybody does. And uh, my my stepfather had been in uh, um, orphanages, and uh, he grew up in Scotland. He was a tough guy. He was really tough. And I went to uh, uh, see his orphanages uh, back in 2003. And for whatever challenges I had in my childhood... I really was able to forgive him at that time because I went with him and his brother, who he was estranged from at a very young age, and heard the stories from the people that worked at the orphanage. We, we met a guy there, and they matched the stories my stepfather used to tell me as a kid. So I was able to forgive my stepfather for you know any of the abuse or crazy shit that we had to deal with as a kid and uh so um but yeah i didn't i wanted to sidestep some beatings so i just kind of boogied out on my own and uh ran away the first time when i was 14 had some challenges and uh we came back and forth and at one point they told us to go live with my real father and my real father was out of the picture completely and I went and stayed with him. And I mean, I got some wild stories. My, he was in uh, some type of cult or commune, if you will. And that was kind of weird over there. And then he was never around. So when I'd go and see him, I'm like, uh, who's this guy? And I got to build a relationship with him. It was just kind of weird. And you're a teenager. And I'm a teenager. And so, and then um, my stepfather um, was dealing hashish at the time. Really good story. I mean, he was working... Came back from San Francisco, Haight-Ashbury District in the 70s, started working in a newspaper, the Hartford Current in Connecticut. And he was working the graveyard shift. And if you know anything about that, that's kind of grindy. Yeah. And uh, he didn't like working from the man, coming from, you know, being a hippie and kind of free spirit. And now you got a family and you got to work the graveyard shift and some kind of labor job. Uh, and I think some of his friends uh, from high school, one went down to Florida, was getting... Um, uh, plane drops, you know, coke and pot and all that stuff was flying out of the sky. Did you know that? About was, Miami, early 80s? It was like, a, there's that new movie, right? Cocaine Bear, where they drop a cocaine off and the bear like gets to it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I heard I think about that. No, I've, uh, yeah, because what's the, uh, who's the dude? Tom Cruise played him in a movie, right? That Barry guy who used to fly the planes and do all that crazy shit. Yeah. Yeah. And there's another movie, Blow, with, with oh, Johnny yeah. Depp. George, like, George Young. That's yeah. the original guy, yeah. Yeah, so um, there's plenty of stories of what happened down in Miami. So there's the, the Miami stories. And then uh, my he had another friend that went to Israel for the summer. And he met a guy from the PLO at some coffee bar or something like that. And he, the guy was like, pull a boat off the coast of New England and we'll fill it with blonde Lebanese hash. And so, um, and hash is more of a European, Middle Eastern thing. And this was early 80s. And my little brother went up. Uh, to this guy's place and and I think it was in Vermont and uh and he said there was just tons of of this uh, hashish there and so my my stepdad started putting that out on, on the market pretty quickly and within nine months you know and the the feds and the mob are going to want their cut right 
and uh and so within nine months yeah some guy he was uh dealing to was an informant right oh shit or a cop or whatever you want to call it anyways he was facing five to 35 years so um my parents my mom sent me out with one of their friends from Haight ashbury district and and he was living in marin county at the time and so i went out there and uh and they were dealing drugs too no shit (laughs) And, and these are drugs right we say drugs with air quotes yeah these things are all legal right now right so um so so that's what happened and then uh um you know i had my own challenges in and out of juvenile hall i was incarcerated as a youth then i i put myself through school you know and uh got good grades while i was in juvenile hall did a bunch of book reports read dostoevsky and a bunch of the classics and got book reports and was able to advance and then went to college and uh I got an offer to start modeling. I knew nothing about that industry, and I just started interviewing. And, and how does that work? You're just walking on the street, and you're like, here's this beautiful dude, and just like, hey, man, here's the thing. Because like I see you now, and then I go back on all your stuff, and I'm like, oh, yeah. You're like, it's like you're a different – it's like a different life. Yeah, and – God, it's – Because like, how do you even fall into that? Like, a, genetically, you have to be – yeah, I heard it a bunch of times, and then you start taking pictures, and then you go and see the agents, and then, you know, you go down that road. And you were like, what at the time? Late I teens? Was an, uh, early 20s? I, I was early 20s okay. when, I, when I started. Yeah. And uh, if I had to do it back again, business-wise, I would have just stayed in L.A. and done uh, TV and just went straight for TV instead of going and modeling first. I just didn't know what I was doing as a kid, and I put that in the book as well. I was just chasing paper, and I was chasing uh, a degree in college. Oh, science and math is more money, and let me let me go in that direction. I'm intelligent. I'm a smart guy, so I, let me just study that, and, and I'll go in that direction. And when this opportunity came along, I was like, oh, you can make $5,000 a day or $2,000 a day. I was like, oh, that's good money. You know, I, I, let me try that. And so this was late 80s, right? Oh, yeah. 89. And so I was like, oh, it sounds like, good money let me try that right but i didn't know that there was tons of sexual innuendos and sexual dysfunction and game playing and just weirdness just general all-around weirdness but i gave it my best college try got out of there moved to italy and uh i i aced two semesters of spanish so that translated into speaking italian which was great and i loved italy traveling was the best thing that i got out of the modeling for sure uh, career and then um the agents are pretty ruthless and you know i would gain a little bit of water weight or i would bloat i had digestive issues and uh i would bloat plus i was eating garbage right i didn't know what food was i didn't know what nutrition was and so uh the agents would be like oh honey you're fat you know and i'd be like what you know i'm I'm the same as i was yesterday so i went down to the uh, american bookstore started reading books on nutrition fasting herbal medicine started chucking down some herbs like let's say dandelion right off the bat uh it's a diuretic helped me with the water and it worked right it worked at one degree or another started shopping at farmers markets um fruits and vegetables definitely you know worked whole foods real foods uh really worked for me and uh and so that was the beginning of my natural medicine studies and and then I spent I, I became a Versace model like four times over, worked with a bunch of supermodels, lived a bit of a rock star life, was living in Miami at the time. Yeah, because in your book you say you were the mayor of Drunksville. 
in 96, but you were doing like real, if you want to talk about it, like real shit. Yeah, I mean, I was partying my ass off. Yeah, like you're doing real drugs. Yeah, I was I was a garbage can as far as it coming to drugs. But alcohol was my drug of choice, and then cocaine just allowed me to drink for long periods of time. Plus, it was Miami. It was basically free. And that's like, that's just the culture, right? Like everything is just, that's just what you do when you're in that space? Or not everybody? Not everybody. I think idle hands are the devil's work yeah. uh, is a good statement. And then, uh, and then alcohol and nightclubs are in every place that modeling was big. New York, Milan, uh, Tokyo. Um, and Miami just came up. It was where they, the Germans could shoot their catalogs. And so it was good money. Um, and the Germans would come down there. And then that market got flooded pretty quickly. And, uh, and then Versace came down and bought that house, that property right on Ocean Avenue. My agent helped him get that. And they made some deal, use his guys. I was with Irene Marie. It was an agency out of Miami. She, it's now dead. Like the whole market in Miami is over with. The whole modeling market in general is over with. I think Instagram replaced a lot of that. And then they're just, if it's big brands, they're using celebrities or rock stars and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I think the shows are still going on, but the editorial, I mean, they had, they had Men's Vogue magazine over there. So going to Milan would get you tear sheets, which would get you recognized, which, oh, yeah. would, which would be the next level, you know, because you're on covers of magazines. Yeah, it was the same way, like where back in the day, like Men's Health would use real dudes. You know, whether it's like Max or Greg Avedon or whoever, like when I'm... Greg Avedon. He was a model at Irene Marie with me oh, in yeah. Miami. Dude, great looking dude. Yeah. Still super fucking fit. Yeah. I think to this day, he's still like... Yeah. Living the life. But like when I'm 12, he's on the cover of Men's Health. Max Sweat scenes on the covers of a lot of them. Like we'd see all these dudes and I'm like, okay, cool. So like this will be a thing. Like I could be super fit, whatever. By the time I get old enough and we're there, it's they're basically doing the same thing. It's like celebrities. Mm-hmm. that's all we're doing because we now can control some of our stuff which is weird so you lived through the same thing just way earlier yeah and then the internet started to pop up and uh and i was able to control my own brand which was amazing and maybe that's probably why i do pretty well now i've been in front of the camera for 33 years and uh, i've made enough understanding and moves i've watched you know prince the rock kanye they all work towards ownership or extreme ownership or some varying degree of ownership. And so, um, and now with the internet, you can do that. Um, the modeling industry has changed completely because before like women, it, the standard was, you know, five, seven minimum, right? Maybe five, nine, uh, to do the shows. But now it doesn't matter what height you are. If you look good in a bikini and you've got a hundred thousand, 200,000 million followers on Instagram, Boom, they'll fly you out for a model shoot for somebody's bikini company. Which is kind of crazy how it's changed so much so quick. So when you're in that era of life and are you you guys drinking every day? Well, in Miami, it ended up that way. I mean, it's tropical. There's bars everywhere. I was living at the Clevelander, which is a bar. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so my friends are bartenders. Uh, there's a party every night. Your friends from Europe, from New York, they're coming down. Hey, Troy, you know, and I'm like, dude, I don't want to go out. Next thing you know, it's like, come on, I'm only here for one week, one day or whatever. Yeah. So it was just a, it was just a constant party down there. And, um, and I was traveling a lot and, um, 
yeah, and I just I just fell into it, and it was it was kind of hard to stop. Even when I started traveling, go to Europe, same thing. There's party every night, pretty much. Free and, drinks, party and every you, night. And you get to meet Tupac. Yeah. I have to ask, because I read it in your book, and I'm like, is this dude fucking serious? Because I have, like, obviously, giant posters on my wall. You know, he's the GOAT to me in terms of hip-hop. Like, he's my, he's my Michael Jordan. But mm-hmm. you got to meet him. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't my Michael Jordan, but... Uh, Who's your all-time? I would say Old Dirty Bastard. I did, I did notice when I watched your stuff, so Dave DiLorenzo introduced us, and so I'm like, okay, I'll look at this dude's stuff, and I go on, and I'm not expecting this. Maybe it's pinned on your Instagram? I don't know. You're wearing a fucking Wu-Tang t-shirt, and like, this dude has a Wu-Tang t-shirt talking about like organic vegetables or whatever the hell it was. I'm like, yeah, this is going to work, which is cool. <laughs> yeah, so, um, I mean, I'm a big hip-hop fan, and uh, of course, I love Tupac, and I, and I loved... Uh, you know, he was with Digital Underground and Humpty and all that yeah. stuff. And I'm from Marin, and he lived in Marin City briefly. Um, and his mom's from Oakland. And so I knew that background. He went to Tam High School. And um, and then, of course, I was a huge uh, NWA fan, Snoop yeah. Dogg, Dre. And, uh, and he was on Death Row at the time. And uh, Death Row, you know, that was a big deal. And I, that was, you know, big era for me to be in the hip hop, you know, uh, world. I just loved it uh, so much. In fact, when Dr. Dre's album came out and rolling in my six four, I had bought a 1964 Coupe de Ville Cadillac Cream Puff in San Francisco with 40,000 original miles. I came back from Japan with a pocket full of money, and uh, I looked in the Auto Trader, just some average. Yeah, remember when they used to have yeah. them in the newspaper? And My dad would have them all the time. Yeah. Dude, I got I got a cream puff Cadillac, with, uh, you know, for like two grand. Like this picture I got up here on the wall. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah! Totally. That's a '64 Impala. So I had a '64. I was a Cadillac man, and so uh, so I just loved that era, and and, um, and boom, there was Tupac, and not only was he there, but. Uh, um, a few hours before that, I went to Duomo, and I'd been working in Milan for over six years, and uh, I just loved Milan. I, there's just something about that city. It's so old. It's so energetic, and I was in, and it was summertime, so it was hot, and I loved that, too, and, uh, and there was Tupac. on. They had big screens for the Versace show inside um, Piazza Duomo right outside one of the museums there. And uh, Piazza Duomo is just amazing. you got a 14th century uh, Gothic church there. It's so beautiful. Yeah. And it's hot and it's summertime and we're fucking partying. <laughs> for sure. And then, and then there's Tupac, and I heard he was in town for Dolce Gabbana and, and that show, but to watch him up on that screen and, and just... And then followed hip-hop. He was, the, he was the first... If he wasn't the first, he was one of the first like hip-hop stars that went to Milan, like intelligently, like I'm coming up, I'm big enough, let me go to Milan, let me do the top of fashion, right? So that was that was like a big move, I thought. Yeah. And I was like, good for you, man, you, you did it. And so he, he did the fashion show. And then I went to one of the most popular nightclubs and I'd been going there for, like I said, six years. I lived in Milan, so I'd been going there for six years. I knew everybody and, you know, I got in, no problem. There was always a line outside and there was always free drinks downstairs. And then I was in the VIP section hanging with my homies 
and Tubac was there. Donatella Versace was there. And we were fucking, I was partying my ass off. And then we had a brief conversation about uh, uh, Marin County. And he was cool. He was cordial. He was down to earth. Like most of the hip-hop stars I saw around the world uh, traveling. And so uh, when you come outside of the other, uh, you know, your own country and you speak English. You you're, know, it's like a, it's a weird thing. You find people, like if you're from New York and then you're in Indiana and you meet a guy from New York, you have this common bond. If you're in Spain and you see another American, you have this thing. Yeah. 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 So he was totally cool, open. And, um, you know, and Donatella Versace was there and. I was a Versace model at the time and, and like nobody was, nobody was ego tripping, put it that way. Yeah. And then he got up and he sang that song, California. It was a gangster's paradise or no. Uh, the song he does with Dre. California yeah. Love. Yeah, California Love. It's my there wedding. You know. It's a song my wife and I came on to at our wedding. It's great, man. Yeah, bro. It's beautiful, I'm a hip hop head, dude. Yeah. Dude, I mean, that song, I mean, chills went up and down my spine, all over my arms. I was like, fuck yeah, man, this was awesome. That's crazy. And so I was just, you know, in heaven. And um, and it was during the men's shows, so I had some shows at the time. That was probably at the height of uh, me being a, a real bad boy. And it wasn't long after that to where I started to sober up. And uh, Like, do you have, like, a rock bottom, you remember? Or are you just, like, gradually you're like, fuck, this is going to end badly? I had... Probably plenty of rock bottoms. Yeah. You know, I got kicked out of my modeling agency at the time. Like got, for what? Doing, got, like just being fucked up? For all doing time? naked backflips in, in the pool at one of these uh, nightclubs that was outdoors during the, the fashion show week. Oh. And there was tons of people. And I was wasted and didn't give a fuck. And <laughs> I didn't like being told what to do. Yeah. And, I, I, and it was hot out and I wanted to go swimming. <laughs> and you're like, let's just be naked. And I do don't this. fucking care. Yeah. Jesus, dude. <laughs> and they told me not to. And then, and, and they, and, ah, no, come on, bro, be cool. And they, they told me not to. And I talked my way back in there. And then as soon as they turned the other way, I did another backflip in there. Jesus, I, dude. I, I was that guy. You yeah. Know? And so just, you know, hell on wheels, a little bit of trouble. And so, uh, yeah, it took me about four and a half years to sober up. A lot of people um, would tell me, you know, hey, you're wasting your potential. And that was kind of weird coming from other guys that were drinking, right? Yeah. Uh, and partying. And so uh, I took heed to that after hearing it maybe a hundred times or more. And, um, and um, you know, started going to AA. That was always a weird experience. Um, it was too much religious, re- religiosity for me. And then... Because what is it when they... Is it- because we have a bunch of people on here. What is it, 90 meetings in 90 days? That's kind of the intro? Or it just depends what program you're in? Yeah, I mean, I, I did that, and I ended up in Beverly Hills one day. And uh, there was a guy up there on the revolving door situation, and he'd been in the program for I don't know how many years. And the way he was explaining it, like he had sobriety for like 15 years. And he had just said he got out of jail six weeks before. And I was like, holy shit. And then I look over here, and there's a pill popping. Beverly Hills chick there, right? So I was just like, there's just a little fucked up energy, and this is not where I think I'm going to get healthy. Yeah. And so, uh, but step 11 was something that really resonated with me because the guys that would speak about step 11 through prayer and meditation, they sought a better way or something like that. Step 11, 
there was always a je ne sais quoi about them. And I was like, okay. Uh, and I started meditating. I think it was, uh, it was that year that I did 90 and 90. And I think I only made it through like maybe two weeks or something when I had that Beverly Hills experience. And uh, I had started meditating and I instantly noticed that my anxiety or whatever was kind of driving me to self-medicate myself would be abated. And I was, I felt better. Yeah. Get off the pillow, felt better. And I was like, okay, this works. Then I started reading about these uh, meditation camps or, or retreats that people would go on. And so I didn't know anything about it. So I was waiting tables at the time, building my acting career. And some waiter said, oh, yeah, I said uh, Vipassana, the granddaddy of all courses. And I, oh, really? What's that? And, oh, it's 10 days in silence. Oh, okay. You know, it seems like when it comes to healing, the things that are the most difficult, I'm like, yeah, I like that. Give me that. And so uh, this is before the Internet. It's been 1999. He... Uh, must have downloaded it or sent something away. And uh, they sent it to me in the mail, right? And I read, I read the literature. No, they sent him a booklet, and then I read that booklet, and then I sent away for my own application. And I was reading the booklet, and it was all about the root level of defilements inside the brain and how to weed them out and what the Buddha discovered. And I was in tears, like, reading this. I was like, wow, this sounds so fucking powerful. And so... Uh, and you're like, well, you like, what at the time? 25, 30? That would have been 1999. <clears throat> I, was prob I was probably pushing 30 or 30. Okay. Sound right? Yeah. Or 33, maybe. No, that's right. I think I was more like... Yeah, I, was, I think I was 33 at the time. Okay. And so, um, so then uh, I sent away for my application, filled out the application. The application is pretty extensive, too. You know, all your background. Just for them to accept you to go? Yeah. Because they can't accept people that are on SSRI drugs and other kind of uh, mood-altering drugs. I think it's mainly just SSRI drugs or, okay. so, or so, some kind of uh, factor like that, psych, psych drugs, because you can get psychosis and stuff sitting by yourself. Oh, right? you start to, like, lose your shit. Well, you could, yeah. for sure. It usually shows up and manifests in the physical body. My femur felt like it was going to dislocate from my hip there for couple of days <laughs> really like seriously oh yeah your mind stores tension in the body so and you so you go and you don't talk for 10 days 10 days and 10 to 10 12 hours of meditation a day like what does that look like like because at the time you just had started meditating so you're doing what a couple minutes a day before you go i no actually i liked it right off the bat and i i could dip into somewhere around an hour okay and so um yeah and so uh and then, yeah, but 10 hours a day and 10 days in silence, that's definitely, it was like a mental lobotomy. For sure. It was, it was huge. And physically very challenging. And I, I could hear, because you get to be able to talk to, te talk to the teachers. You're able to talk to the teachers. And I would hear older people or somebody that had like a 800-pound gorilla on their back, like real pain, or older people that thought that they would do better sitting up against the wall they said, it doesn't really matter whether you're sitting on the wall, sitting in a chair, or, or, or sitting cross-legged. The pain's going to come no matter what. And sure enough, I would hear people asking the teacher questions, and that's exactly what came up. And so I just sat on my pillow and just dealt with myself and, and let my body unwind. 
And so for so, 10 hours a day, you just sit cross-legged on the fucking pillow? 10, 12 hours a day. You get up to for piss breaks. And stuff, yeah. And, yeah, piss and break. And but your day, it's like a work day. Hour long, yeah. So just wake up at 4.30 in the morning or so and uh, meditate for a couple hours and some breakfast. And then, uh, and then you go back, and then lunch, and then you go back. And then, yeah, yeah, it's just... Even when I was serving the courses, um, cooking the food for everybody and stuff, I would still get five to eight hours of meditation in a day. No shit. And so I really, I mean, it really helped me out a lot. It was one of the big wake-ups that I put in my, in my book and uh, wake-up experiences that I had. So I practiced it pretty religiously two hours a day. And sat 11 of those courses in silence. Served two, sat nine um, in six years. And they definitely radically changed my life. And uh, Dhamma.org, D-H-A-M-M-A.org is their website. Um, I'd like to eventually go sit another course. My life has transpired, uh, transformed so many different times, especially with having children. That doesn't really afford 10 days off. Um, and so, uh, and then my kids are 15 and 12 now. And then the pandemic got weird. I wasn't going to go with a mask with all that nonsense. No. And so, and plus everybody, a lot of people got weird in that particular situation. And the last thing I want to deal with is, you know, the, the meditation camp getting weird on me too. I'd be totally disillusioned by everything. So that's the thing that probably helped you the most. Like kind of basically, because you're like a, like when I read your book, I'm like, you're like a different person. It's like there's person, I mean, I'm sure you're, you all feel like we all have an evolution, but you were like this guy, you know, banging fucking six gram rocks in the club. And now you're, <laughs> you know, and now you're like, you know, meditating for 10 hours, you know? Yeah. So is that like, that's probably like one of the catalysts is like doing that. Cause you still do Huge. it today, I'm sure. Yeah. I, 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 uh, well, what I. Yes. So that Vipassana meditation was one of my major wake up calls and definitely one of the biggest healing mechanisms that I've ever come across. And I've uh, spent the last 30 years practicing some form of healing and learning about it. So that says a lot for Vipassana right there. Um, About six years after it, um, I was getting stressed out if I wouldn't get my two years, my two hours in a day. So what Vipassana scans the sensations of the body. And so like you could feel your my hat on my head right now or my my shoes wrapped around my feet if you put your attention there you can feel the body you can feel the sensations on the body this is the vipassana meditation mindfulness and so i was i my idea was to take that into my everyday waking moment how aware can i be of emergent present moment reality how aware can I be of myself? And there's varying degrees of that. And so I just wanted my life to be a waking meditation. And so um, that's what I practiced. I started studying with Joe Dispenza's work uh, recently for the new year, actually. Uh, and I've noticed uh, some really good moves uh, in my life. And so I, I'm back to sitting consistently. Uh, every single day. I'm not doing two hours, but uh, I am sitting consistent. And Joe Dispenza has a background of Vipassana meditation as well. Okay. So you do that. Is this, so now you're like in your 30s, you're doing these things. When do you, because I'm going off the book here. Again, if you guys don't know, like I'll put it in the show notes. Troy has a book, Ripped at 50. 
and he is ripped. Um, a Journey to Self-Love is the title. But in there, you do talk about psychedelics. Like, when did you get into that? Because, like, that's a whole different animal, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Was that, like, like, the new you? Well, I actually started, I think the first time I took LSD, I was probably 13 years old. Bro, and, uh, your fucking story, dude. Like, the fact that you're even here is like a miracle, is it not? I think it is. I am a walking miracle, and yeah. just like everybody else is. Yeah, I, you've lived a life, bro. Like, yeah. you tell it, now my shit sounds really bland compared to you. I'm like, you're banging LSD, dude, you're 13. Yeah, that was the first time I took LSD was the first time I ran away from home. How about that? Yeah. That same night. And so, um, yeah, so I did LSD. Um, I I can't say, you know, I had so much spiritual experiences. Maybe I had spiritual epiphanies or a little bit of awakenings or glimpses into uh, other levels of consciousness or dissolving my own veil of illusion a little bit more. Maybe I had some of that, but as far as psychedelic awakenings on ayahuasca and utilizing psychedelics for spiritual purposes, um, that start that happened in the Amazon. I'd been sober at that time for at least six years, and uh, I didn't want to take any intoxicants because uh, I was afraid, you know, I'd start drinking again or something like that. Do you drink now? No. No. You've been sober for a long time. I've been sober for a while, but I did start having one drink here and there, and then I got a DUI in 2016. It's in the book. And that fucking leveled me with kids and all that shit. It cost me 15 grand and a night in jail and losing my license. It was was fucked up. Fucked up enough to wake me up and say, okay, it's it's not worth it. At at my age, I was 50-something, 51 or 52 at the time. And uh, it just it just wasn't worth it. Book came out when I was fifty three, and so and I'm fifty seven right now. Still ripped. That's the title, man. That's what sells, dude. Yeah. Ripped at fifty. Cock D at sixty is going to be my third book. I like it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, where are we? You were in the Amazon is when you started to kind of get into the ayahuasca and like the real things. Yeah, the psychedelic. And more so not because like when people, sometimes people listen to this, and we've had a lot of people come on and talk about, you know, kind of their experience and it helped them let go and do these different things where it's not doing it just to be high. Like that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. And you know, it's funny you say that, Jeremy, because I look back at my mushrooms experiences in Northern California, they were still spiritual. They were, they were still mind expanding being on those natural substances in the mountains with the breeze, with the energy. I did feel a lot of opening and love on those things. Not that I didn't drink a case of beer with it sometimes too, right? But the psychedelics did open me up to a different perspective than just the hardcore third dimension, you know, make money, do whatever you're going to do. So, you know, fit into society. But I was still partying and I didn't have a, a consciousness base to expand from there. Um, it was kind of just more of a high experience. So then I sobered up and about six years later, I was working with an herbal company in the Amazon. And uh, um, like your athletic greens, it was the first one way to monetize myself when I was on YouTube early on. 
And I was doing research on the plants. They were all uh, super high quality, the most powerful shamanic herbs on the planet. And so uh, I would research them. And the people that were harvesting the plants for us were the Shipipo Indians, which are the, the guardians of the ayahuasca. And so, um, so I was very intrigued to do the ayahuasca, but I was also trepidatious and a little bit fearful because I didn't want to dip back into my old ways, you know, start taking some kind of drugs or something. For sure. And I met a shaman in Cusco, which is in the highlands, before I was uh, going to the Amazon, which is in the lowlands. So I was up in Cusco, 9,000 feet, and uh, I talked to this shaman, and I told him I was a little bit fearful. And he understood, and he said, look, man, this stuff is not child's play, right? You know, use clear intention of what you're doing uh, and just know that, you know, it's not child's play whatsoever. And so I took that seriously, said my prayers, said my, you know, got really clear on my intentions, and then went down deep into the Amazon and drank the ayahuasca, and I had very powerful visions. One was an amalgamation of my on-camera career, I was doing stand-up comedy at the time and uh, my natural medicine studies, herbalism and fasting and nutrition. And it was the amalgamation of all of those things and the Certified Health Nut was born. And that was almost 20 years ago and it's been unfolding ever since. Do you think if you don't do that, the trajectory you're on now ever happens? Like, do you ever see it? Because we have people come on here the same say similar things where like it just it opens up something or they see something and they're like you know i could have meditated for 50 fucking years but it never would have happened yeah um and that's that's a good question because the medicine's only 30 to 50 percent of the work i gotta come home and do the work yeah so after seeing that vision for the past two decades i've been doing the work i've been the certified health nut so i'm still on camera right 33 years later still on camera yeah daily now it's actually become so easy for me i remember i, had, I used to have to prep weeks in advance for a photo shoot right i just wake up out of bed right now that's that's get, the progression you do it long enough yeah get right in front of the camera you're good so um so remind me that point we were just making well, just for you, like, if you hadn't done that, like, experience and, like, basically kind of let go, like, do you think you'd be the certified health nut today? Would you be down this path if you never saw that? Or was that the trajectory you're going to go anyway? I think I, w I was working on some iteration of a television show at that time, something with natural medicine. Okay. But I think I was going more towards the healing, uh, 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 the TV route. And I came out of the Amazon and realized YouTube was a brand new reality. Before I went to the Amazon, I knew nothing about YouTube. I had a digital camera at the time with a stick. Remember the sticks? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Long, long stick. It was like was it 128 megabytes, and that was a big stick. Yeah. So, so I had a stick, and I had some footage of the shaman singing. It's actually one of the first videos on my YouTube channel. And, uh, and so YouTube was a brand new reality. So that had changed. And then I also realized that I had dominion over it as opposed to getting a pitch together and then going out to some kind of production company, which Lord knows I've done that plenty of times. And yeah. It's pretty much a dead end road because if you look at who owns the media, 
right? And then who are the biggest conglomerates out there besides chemical agribusinesses and weapons and banking and Yeah, there's no money in the shit you're pushing. Yeah. So no. so you know, big pharma drugs, you know, are gonna put the shebang they don't wanna buy that stuff, right? No. They don't want people healthy. No. Well it's why like what are you gonna promote? Vitamin D costs two cents and it's generic and everybody can get it. Like it's why we or the sunlight's free. Yeah, we don't push these things. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, you know, I learned that kind of slow. But and, that, uh, and you start your YouTube channel then? It was 2006. Uh, I kept on put, putting together digital footage and pitching my show. I still, I still was pitching my show, but I started to consistently put out content on YouTube. And then Facebook popped up, and somebody in tech told me that that was going to be big. So I started adding people right away. Um, and then I, what I realized with uh, with social media is it's all about engagement. So I got pretty engaged. And early on, I didn't know how to monetize myself. So I would just stay with engagement. So I was, I've always played the long game, right? Yeah. Long game. Content and engagement content is king. Video content is king of content, and I am king of all content. <laughs> just pumping out stuff all the time. Yeah, I mean, I just love to make and move people. I think there's a good Tupac quote to bring Tupac back into it. Uh, he was asked if, if uh, uh, he was something about being a role model. And he said, look, my job is to make people think, and that's it, however people end up thinking. And I would agree with, with myself. I'm here to stimulate thought. Stimulate, make people think about anything. Question everything. Question reality. Question all aspects uh, of our life and, and reality. What is it? An unexamined life is uh, not worth living. Right? Who is that? Socrates or one of those smart people from back in the day. And so um, an unexamined life is not worth living. Yeah, so it's like what the hell are we doing here? Is this the best we can do? Well, the other thing about the Amazon, and I know you got a question, is is the Amazon was being, um, you know, cut down at an alarming rate, and our vendors down there were being displaced and ending up in the major cities and ghettos selling baskets to tourists. And I'm like, and and a and a shaman in the Amazon dies. That's a living library, and these plants are life giving and super powerful anti cancer anti. Uh, there's no there's no degenerative diseases down there. And so I was like, well, what's going on here? How can I make a difference? Drank the ayahuasca. My second vision was, uh, or my third and final vision, I should say, is uh, that humanity makes it from the precipice of ecological disaster. I mean, we've trashed this friggin' planet. You know, we don't live in Africa. I don't know if you know anything about Liberia, but we send all our toxic waste over there and stuff. And so, plus the depleted uranium that we used in uh, the Iraqi war and stuff. Like, what does that do to human beings? And so, and I know that we're all symbiotically connected. So what we do uh, to, to other, we do to ourselves ultimately. And so I had a big bent on changing the world. I don't like to use the word ecological because that's all been hijacked by this global warming scam and climate change. I think we've... We've trashed the environment. I like to use the term biomimicry. Life creates conditions conducive for life. It's a scientific term in the study of our symbi symbiosis for the earth and living uh, harmoniously with other creatures and nature itself and understanding how all the mechanisms work. 
And I truly believe that we can live harmoniously, not in a kind of uh, um, left-leaning kind of weirdo progressive movement like control mechanisms. No, we're going to have to design systems that are beneficial for the all if we are here to survive. Um, it goes beyond, I think, some of the left-leaning progressive ideas. And I like to just say that I'm an extreme centrist, right? Yeah. I'm a family first. I love the country. I love God. Love all that stuff, but I'm no right wing, whatever you want to call that. Yeah. And then I've got very liberal, change the money system, change the energy system, clean up the environment, progressive ideas, right? So you can't peg me there, although a lot of people want to make me a right wing weirdo. Yeah. So, so go ahead. You got, you got No, I'm so like so you you're going through all these things, like obviously your mind is opening up to a million different things. You're like, I want to change the world, I want to do this. Is that what inspires the book at some point or cause you're doing stuff before that. Like you have courses and different things, but like what makes, Hey, I'm going to write a book. I need to put this out there. Well, I always knew I was going to write and it's funny. I had a vision. Uh, the number 35 came up and years after, you know, okay, I'm 35 now. I didn't write a book. Okay. Now I'm, you know, 40. I didn't write a book. And then the book came out when I was 53. So reverse the numbers. Oh, no sham. There and, you go. Yeah. Kind of trippy. And so uh, I always knew that uh, I was going to write, and I've got about 15 books in me right now. Um, and my second one is uh, um, the manuscript is is done. We're, we're just uh, editing it right now. Uh, and then I've got my third one. It's ready, it's ready to go uh, as well. And so the bottom line is I knew I was going to write, and um, um, – it was just time for this to come out. I worked on it about five years. And then in 2019, I said, it's coming out this year. And uh, it came out in 2020, but I finished my work in 2019. And um, so that was just a natural progression. And I use media as a tool to raise awareness. To, 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 I don't necessarily say that I have all the answers, although I have an, I have a, uh, an incredible platform called president of planet earth and my four solutions for humanity. Uh, it's on my YouTube channel. And, um, um, I use the media as a tool to raise awareness. So my mission is to raise human consciousness and change all systems. My vision is cre clean air, water, soil, and equitable systems for all mankind in my lifetime. And so people say, oh, you know, you can't change the world and you got to change yourself first. Great. I'm doing that. I'm doing that every day. For sure. I'm, I'm, I'm the one who's going to look in the mirror the most. Uh, and if I miss something, please point it out. And, uh, but yeah, dream the impossible dream, baby. I mean, the Wright brothers wanted to fly like an eagle. Everybody said they were crazy. Um, Steve Jobs wanted to put a handheld computer in, in every man's hand. Hey, that's a slam dunk. And he, he did his job, and I'm continuing his legacy by utilizing the thing. And well, because the book is called Ripped at 50, but it's not really just about being ripped. Like, it's a great, like, the we do it here for Instagram. I film shirtless videos in the sun because I know it gets more clicks and views. But that's really not what we do here. Mm -hmm. And the same thing. You're ripped in the book cover, and it looks great, but it's not just about being ripped. 
it's a lot you do fitness like we do here we teach it and we call four pillars physical mental spiritual emotional you have a similar concept how you look at fitness yeah holistic uh mental emotional physical and spiritual and i have nine pillars of health hydration nutrition nature sunlight relationships um but the book, there's nothing new under the sun when it comes to health and fitness, right? You still need sunlight. You still need hydration. You still need organic nutrition. If you're shoveling garbage in the pie hole, there is a price to pay. Nine out of 10 Americans are, are metabolically dysfunctional right now. 70% of the American people are obese or overweight. One in two will get cancer. And I think diabetes is over 33% right now. And so, I, th I think they had the, per the projection for people being overweight in five years to like the number was like nearly all. Well, it wasn't even a percentage. Well, here's the fucking shit, Jeremy. 70% is close to 100%. It was 62% when I started Certified Health Nut. That's exponential growth. 70% is next to 100%. I'm part of the 100%. If I don't do something right now, I will be usurped into the fuckery, into the dysfunction that they're trying to normalize. Have you, have you looked at the media lately? All this fat shaming and stuff. It's like they're trying to normalize dysfunction. Right? Don't question anything. Don't call those people fat. You're you're a, an abomination. You're harming them. You're 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 a you're a fat racist. Or well, it's weird because like we talk about it here, where like if it's what I do is you know, and I'm not saying everybody wants to do what I do, but when you strip it down and not maybe the results or <clears throat> you know what I look like, but I work out and exercise every day. I go to sleep at a decent time. I wake up at about the same time. I eat real food. I, I drink water. I do mobility. I don't watch the news. And I try to like fill my head with positive things and positive people. And that's like, well, you're, you're extreme, dude. Uh-oh. That, but that's not like when you look at it and you say it that way, it's like that sounds like a really just a healthy way to kind of live life. Yet it's become so unnatural because we've gotten used to this other shit, which is kind of crazy. And normalizing dysfunction. I I. I mean, it's, it's just, it's really sad, actually. And so, but look, I'm the harbinger of good news, right? I can point out the bad news, which is evident everywhere. But the fact of the matter is, is we are uh, powerful beings. We're self-healing, right? Um, we're children of God. We have the ability to create whatever the mind can believe and conceive. I do believe that we can change this world. I do believe that we need a Hail Mary and a quantum leap right now. I do believe part of that quantum leap is happening. I think you've seen through the lockdowns that woke a lot of people up. A lot of people are choosing sleep, even dying suddenly, for example. Um, people are choosing that, that avenue, but death is a part of life. So um, I'm an eternal optimist. I have lost a little bit of faith in humanity recently. Um, just peaks and valleys, dude. Ups and downs. Yeah. Um, yes. And so uh, don't like to get stuck in my own, my own funk, but it's there. And I'm a human being. That's what I like to pride myself on uh, on my social media. I don't, I don't like to really hide anything. If I'm going through it, I, sh I like to share it. No, your stuff is good. And you put out a ton of stuff. And I was going to ask this too before I get too lost in it. Paul Check writes the foreword for your book. Mm-hmm. And how do you get hooked up with him at some point? Because obviously, like, you're learning. Obviously, you felt like shit, so you start, you know, eating better, doing things differently. And then, hey, I'm going to, you know, I have this vision to be this, you know, certified 
you know, crazy person essentially uh, to make people healthier. Cause you do go extreme. On, I don't want to say extreme on stuff, but like you just get very detailed. Even your Instagram content is very detailed. I'm like, well, I don't want to light a candle when he's here. Cause he's going to fucking, you know, freak out here, <laughs> you know? So like, cause I watched your candle video. Um, when that's just an example, but Paul check is a, you know, in this space, like for people who don't know, I'm like, Paul's the dude. Yeah. Like he puts out good shit. How do you get hooked up with him? And how did that, is that like, I guess it, I mean, he's a huge part of your influence of who you are. Yeah. Well, uh, Paul helped me put it all together. So I, I started studying natural medicine probably, uh, at least 15 years before I met Paul. Um, and, uh, and I found Paul on YouTube, right? So, uh, came out of the jungle in 2006 with these powerful visions, put my content up there, had my son in natural, natural, uh, uh, water birth, natural, natural birth in my living room. Do you have it on YouTube? Yeah, it's on YouTube. Cause I sw- I didn't click it. Um, I think I just saw like the, the thumbnail. Yeah. And I'm like, this dude's not fucking around. Yeah. It's, it's that's gnarly, bro. It's that video probably is good, huh? I imagine it did the algorithm. Well, not anymore. Crazy, yeah. Crazy. But originally man. probably. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it got a half million views, but then it got flagged for nudity. I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, yes. Uh, uh, You're studying, you meet him. Yeah, and I have another video of my son about 20 minutes out of the womb, and uh, uh, it got like 1.7 million views early on. So I started to gain a little bit of popularity. Uh, early on, the Internet didn't have too many people uh, on health, and so... Um, um, there was basically vegans preaching utopian diets, uh, and not looking very healthy. And I had my own vegan experience and, uh, no, and then, no meat at all for how long? I did two years. No shit. Yeah. You, but, do you feel good? No. Is that why you stopped? I felt great the first six months. I was like, holy shit. Cause I had digestive issues. I started eating real food and shopping at farmer's markets in Italy I noticed big difference in my digestion, everything. Yeah. But then I just, I adhered to the the dogma and I was just Well, it's like, like being vegan or CrossFit or anything, they become, they're, it's culty. Yeah. It just is. Like it's a, you know, it's like if, how do you know if somebody surfs? They'll fucking tell you, dude. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like there's this, we all have our things and being vegan for some reason is, carnivores the same way. Like they're all, everybody yeah. has a camp. Yeah. Yeah. So felt like trash after a while. Oh yeah. And, uh, so I put that in the book as well. And so, and then there was, you know, young guys on steroids, not telling you they're on steroids, trying to sell you their, 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 their program or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and that was it. There was no real in between. And then there was this guy, Paul check teaching his principles. And I like to point this out about the book, nothing new under the sun, but they're all basic principles, whether you're healthy, young, old, man, woman, child, healthy or sick, everyone needs sleep. Everyone needs hydration. So they're just basic fundamental principles. And that's what Paul was teaching, but he was deadlifting 450 pounds and taking his shirt off and he was yoked to the bone. Yeah. And so I was like, wow, this guy knows his shit. He's No, he's not just a meathead. Uh, and, and his knowledge base is huge. So I was like, fuck, I could learn from this guy. Followed him from 2008 to 2011. He wrote a blog on Earth Day. Excuse me. Um, He wrote a blog on Earth Day that was basically detailing a lot of the stuff that I put in that video the other day about phthalates and and dioxins and 
other harsh chemicals that you don't need. Washing your clothes if you don't need. Just using too much water, using too much material. Yeah. Right? And I was like, oh, my God, this guy, he's saying the same thing that I've been practicing for, you know, at least a decade or more. And I was in tears. I was like, holy shit, I got to meet this guy. You know, I'd been following him for three years, totally enamored with his workouts and everything. And then I was like, I got to meet this guy. I know he's famous. So I spent, I think, $10,000 on all the prerequisites. You had to do uh, correspondence courses to get into the in-person courses. And then the first course was taught by his faculty. And then... Oh, for the certification. In the next course, I didn't want the certification. I had no interest in the certification. You just wanted to meet him. I just wanted to meet him. Bro, it's crazy. That's it. Yeah. And so he taught holistic lifestyle coaching number two. And so, and then I bought two and three. So the following year, I, I went and studied with him. But I put him in a movie called The Cure Is You. Uh, a friend of mine was shooting. And um, and they were going to shoot pickups one day. And my food club in L.A. got busted. And they threw $30,000 worth of uh, raw milk away. And the FBI was there and everything. So I interviewed Paul. <laughs> Bro, your life, bro. Is this something else, dude? Yeah, go ahead. I interviewed Paul uh, the day we were doing pickups on the film. I just stuck a microphone in his face for five minutes, and I edited it for like the next three days, put it out. He loved the editing. He loved everything, and we've been friends ever since. And so, uh, and then I took two of his courses. They blew my mind. One of his students in there, uh, you know, wasn't rising up to the highest level of a Czech practitioner, and Paul... Paul gets up in your grill. You know, what are you going to do with your life and this education? And so uh, I told my friend that I would take him to the Amazon. And uh, so he had to get up in front of the class and tell everyone how he's going to change his life in the next 30 days. So I took a small group from that class to the Amazon rainforest to drink ayahuasca. That guy, his name is Barbero, and uh, he's my business partner right now. And he's a solid guy. We've been working together for the last two and a half years. And uh, and it's good to be working with him because he has my the same holistic education as you do, yeah, yeah. And the guy, you know, loves to stay in shape and loves to lift, and and he helps me out uh, with my on online stuff, so he can talk to people just like me. That's uh, that's rare. Yeah, I can trust most of my inside inner crew is a Czech practitioner. Okay, so I become friends with Paul. Um, I've helped him out with his social media over the years and uh, just helped him out as much as possible because his message is congruent with mine. Yeah. And uh, and he's mastered so many more uh, intellectual principles than uh, than I have. I like to think that I can even distill it down uh, even more to the street level because he can go so deep into the scientific literature. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he's he's got a good sense of humor. He does bring it down down to the ground as well but uh anyways so i love paul he's great he did the forward to the book um we stay in touch regularly um paul's got a great thing going on in his life march 25th if you want to go down there he's teaching program design for the first time in 10 years and it's cheap it's like 300 it's like four under 400 dollars to go spend eight hours with paul check no shit teaching how to lift and the science of reps and the science of tempo and all that stuff, I would go take it. That's crazy. I was supposed to teach something here myself. Because um, where is he at? He's in. He's six hours away. He's in uh, um, Orange, um, 
right on the edge of Orange County and San Diego County in, in a place called Fallbrook. Roughing it. Yeah. <laughs> Rough He's life. got a 15-acre compound growing his own food. Oh, bro. And I would definitely go down there. And he bought the place from somebody who had hot rods. So his gym is in a, like a big hot rod shop. It's like a huge garage. Oh, and, shit. And then his, uh, his classroom is off to the side. It's a beautiful facility. That guy's living his dream for sure. Yeah. And uh, he teaches at least one class a month, but he doesn't teach his Czech uh, Institute curriculum anymore. He teaches rock stacking, Zen in the garden. He teaches mandala drawing and art therapy uh, and courses that really interest him, kind of more spiritual. And But the program design he hasn't taught in 10 years, and he's doing a one-day course on it. I think it's valuable. All the Pollican guys used to show up, and he's like, oh, I've studied with... Oh, I Charles. Stu- I, I studied with Charles, and I don't need to you know, because this used to be a prerequisite to get into the other course. Paul's like, no problem. As long as you pass the test, we'll let you in. No problem. Nobody ever passed the test. And then those same guys would take the course yeah. and say, oh, I thought I knew everything and I got so much out of this. There's a lot to learn, man, for sure. Yeah, especially from that guy. I mean, he's 61. I still see him, you know, deadlifting 400 pounds. Crushing. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I was wondering, I'm like, that's a... It's a different. It's a, it's a small world. This little world that we're in. So most people didn't know. But I was gonna. I'll go back to this too because I'm curious. You did the vegan stuff for two years. What um, what do you eat like these days? Super clean, paleo keto vegan. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> paleo keto vegan carnivore. How yeah. about that? Just high rotational. I learned a lot of that from Paul. So Paul helped me put everything together. To not eat the same shit every single day for every single meal. Right. Yeah. Because your body can build an intolerance. And I had enough digestive problems, so I I was willing to try anything. And and this really helped me. Yeah. So, So, yeah, Paul helped me put all of my studies together and then some, right? Especially when it came to working out, functional fitness, postural alignment, because um, like are you training like at this time like before like when you're hey i'm gonna get healthier like what are you training like do you go lift do you do bodybuilding shit like what are you into or do you're not doing anything really it depends on the stage i mean this is the last what 15 years so uh when i had kids uh when i had children starting in 2007 i got tired from that so and then I had to be with my children all the time. I chose to raise them, no nannies or anything. Yeah. And so um, I didn't have a lot of energy, so I would walk. So for seven years after I had children, walking was my dominant exercise. No shit. Yeah. Because you're fit, dude. Like you're vascular, like you're ripped. Yeah. And so walking was my dominant exercise, and then um, I got black mold exposure from 2010 to 2013, and I got chronic fatigue, and I got... From uh, like a house you're living in or something? No shit. And I got like a rheumatoid arthritis, weird intramuscular pain, floating arthritis from one joint to the next. I still have issues in my groin, and I I go to the hyperbaric chamber a couple times a week, and I get a lot of therapy done as well, and and so... uh, No shit. And I just watched the diagnosis of autoimmune from MS to Lyme and everything else from a lot of people. And you still have to do the, everything that's in my book just as a fighting chance anyways. Yeah. Or you can take the, take the drugs, preach your, your sickness, and, and, uh, and then just be a basket case. And I was just like, and you get that autoimmune stare, right? There's nothing wrong with you. You know, it's yeah. like, 
but having chronic fatigue is like a big deal. So I, I just told myself, mind over matter, I'm going to do everything that I can. You know, sunlight really helps me. Being outside most of the day really helps me. I have bicycles for that exact reason. I lived in California. I was outside most of the day. I eat, you know, really nutritious food. I don't eat most of the day because that helps my cognitive function. Same here. When do you typically eat the first time? Just depends um, on the day? Yeah, it just depends on the day, but usually sometime afternoon and then two to five is when I might start eating. Yeah. And you eat like what, once a day, twice a day? Yeah, once a day, but I'll have nutrients throughout the day. So I work with an organic superfood company like the Athletic Greens. And, yeah. And, uh, like just shade, like green drinks. I'll, ha- I'll have some organic wheatgrass and spirulina. We also have uh, uh, beet juice and ashwagandha, like herbal herbal, oh, yeah. herbal blend. So, and we have an aloe vera. So we've got like 75 products. So um, I-, I should bring you some over. Yeah. Um, and so we have <clears throat> just different. Uh, we've got a, what is it? broccoli sprout um, greens as well we have many greens but uh, and so no like real food until later in the day correct pre-digested yeah. I started juicing 33 years ago and juicing it's just pre-digested food with no digestion and it gives you it's like a blood transfusion of nutrients so your, that, body, your body doesn't got to break it down it's just liquids right there and it's enzyme rich so it's real energy and so juicing always worked for me so um I continue to juice today. I mean, I just gave you the coconut water. Big difference of that stuff compared to the box stuff, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, even just when you taste it, you yeah. can tell it tastes different. Because the enzymes are there. Yeah. It's all about the enzymes. It's like when you make like a dinner, like what's a normal protein and produce water? <sighs> Steak and eggs. Yeah. Uh, I've married into the Korean community, and so uh, my son likes to make white rice. I have kimchi. Um Prime rib, um, ancestral blend of bison heart, liver, and yeah. meat. And Where do you go, natural groceries? Venison. Yeah, I'll get that particular ancestral blend. From, it's like a rock when you get it, by the way. Yeah, it takes like two fucking days to thaw out. It, it's frozen. Because there's heart. Is there heart in there, too? Yeah, but if you put it in water, it takes 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I bought it the first time, I'm like, dude, I'm going to be here all day. It's good, though. I do like it. Yeah, and it's a rotational food. I mean, I don't. I don't necessarily eat for pleasure. I eat for life, you yeah. know. Um, I do like good food, right? Like, what's your, do you ever, you got a vice? Like, a, hey, I eat this and it's probably not the best for me or I just eat more of healthy shit if I, if you go kind of off the, off the scripts. You know, because I've had so many problems with digestion and I know what a food hangover is all about. and It's I, the worst. And I knew what having a hangover hangover was all about. Yeah. So I'm just like, I'd rather feel good than feel bad. Yeah. So, um, so if I'm traveling and my blood sugar's off and there's only Hot Pockets on the airplane and I'm starving, I will eat that Hot Pocket. Yeah. Right? And, but uh, not, by, not by like... Choice. Yeah. No. I, I try and keep... Almost zero displacement foods at my house, so chips, popcorn, you know, anything that just doesn't really have nutritional value that might be entertainment. I try and keep all that stuff out of my house. Uh, it's basically meat, eggs. Uh, I do some raw milk, and I also do a little bit of pasteurize if it comes from Strauss, because Strauss has Jersey cows, and Jersey cows are um, what's meant to be digested by human beings, or we do good with it. Because you go hard on the pasteurized, unpasteurized. 
Of course, yeah. because it's what digests. And if you've got the enzymes, it's going to digest. If you don't, then you might have problems. So, And I already have digestive issues from whether it's vaccines or whether it's uh, emotional issues, you know, being a child. I, when I did a lot of breath work and I went through my divorce, I realized that a lot of my emotional shit was in my was in my stomach and my digestion. I started doing uh, sexual kung fu and Taoist uh, stomach massage. And so all your nerve endings are in here and there's some deep emotions that are attached to it. And I was able to release some of that. I put those stories in my book as well. And so um, how did I get off on that train? Well, just the food in general, like because you felt like shit. So it's like I only eat these certain things. Right. And so, yeah, and I, I just don't like feeling like shit because then I'm, I'm not always a happy camper and that translates out to the outer world and, and I'd, rather be, I'd rather be as harmonious and peaceful as I possibly could because I'm a little yang, I'm a little aggressive. Yeah. So you don't really want me all pissed off. So like if you, if you go to a restaurant, like, do you go out to eat? I went to Sante the other night. DiLorenzo turned me on to that place. Oh, it's a real place. Yeah. Yeah, because he took me there one time, and I'm like, it took about four hours to get my food. I'm like, where the fuck? I eat once a day. I know, and then you get hangry, right? And I'm try- I train, too, like hard as hell, and I get there, and I'm like, bro, like, what the fuck are we doing here? I need now, yeah. right now. It was good, though. It was right. good. Yeah. yeah, it was good. My son had that, that steak the other night. It wasn't cheap either. It was 50 bucks. Uh, so I'll go there. I'll go to True Food. Um I'll eat at Chipotle because at least there's whole foods there if I'm out and I need food right oh, yeah. away. So it's rice and beans and it's real shit. guacamole. It's, at least it's real food. Uh, and then for the most part, I just grab stuff at home. And usually I hang out with my business partner. He has uh, titanium cookware. Was it Salad Master? And so he's always making something. Uh, slow cook, uh, soups, chicken soup. Um, bone broth, uh, slow cook, like crock pot stuff, stew meat, um, liver, heart. I like to keep those rotational. Oh, so you actually will make them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like I like those. I wish we were in France because the French figured out how to make all that stuff taste good. Yeah. the uh, That's why I get the, the ancestral mix because I'm like, that way I can get some of the stuff in there. I'm not a huge liver fan yeah i'm not either but you know what it's It's good for you it's like the original superfood that's true and so so i'll I'll eat that and uh yeah just keep it clean basically meat and veggies and i do i do eat some cheese because if my blood sugar gets out of whack and i need food immediately then uh, i get high quality european cheeses they seem to go down like a charm and uh and or any kind of raw cheeses that i can find at whole foods uh, and I eat those uh, Mary's crackers, so they're gluten free and whatever. They don't give me they don't give me stomach problems. Yeah. So you really don't. There's no like. There's no shit. Strauss ice cream. There you go. I forgot to mention that Strauss ice cream, which is supreme. And I I'm sure there's a boatload of sugar. I'm not a sugar Nazi. I do understand the mechanism. Sugar feeds fungus. Sugar can create all sorts of problems. The thing is, is I'm more of a chemical Nazi than I am like a sugar Nazi because there's so many sugar Nazis out there. Oh, don't touch it. It's the nemesis. It's this. It's that. Well, people will be like, you know, I've never sat and banged cocaine. You can maybe tell me here. <laughs> it's the kids. People's like, it's as addicting as cocaine. I go, this is not 
true for the fact of like you just don't snort table sugar. It's not just sugar. It's all the flavor profiles together. Mm -hmm. It's the fat, the sugar, the taste, the texture, the temperature, all of that wrapped up into one engineered in a way that makes it hyper palatable and super fucking addicting. Mm -hmm. Like that's why I love cinnamon rolls. Like I don't like, it's not just the sugar. It's everything together, how it smells, all the things about it. Like that's what the draw is. Yeah. So I could fuck up some cinnamon rolls and some donuts and a bunch of other stuff. Funny story is, uh, you know, I am. I don't think I'm that much of a Nazi. I just like to feel good, right? I, Same but, here. But my wife, when, when we got divorced, she took the kids to fucking Krispy Kreme and goes, "Yeah, fuck dad." <laughs> I'm like, what? So, but like, I can go over there. Yeah, it's just I'm not gonna feel good. It's not worth it to me. I've been addicted to garbage in the past and mainlined a box of donuts. So you just basically create an environment at home that is conducive to being healthy, and then you don't put yourself in environments that are going to basically drag you down. Correct. I got pretty good discipline, even if I'm in the wrong environment. Yeah. Well, you have to be at you know your age to be super healthy still, because that's what most people, it's they can't adhere to it. They're in different environments. They haven't changed the behavior pattern. They're just grabbing shit constantly over and over and over. Where your stuff is, is it, do you eat all organic or mostly? Um, I mean, pretty much I'm going to spend my hard earned money on the good stuff. Yeah. So Chipotle is probably the, no, the, the only non-organic meal that I eat out there. Um, yeah, I mean, I pretty much, I'll get a smoothie at Whole Foods. Um, all that stuff's kind of organic for the most part. Um, and then I've got an organic superfood company that I work with and I've got a background in herbal medicine and I like herbs, the protein profile, even though the macros are negligible, but the protein profile in something like, um, you know, a wide variety of herbs is going to be, um, greater than what's available in like celery, carrots, potatoes, like the 15 domesticated fruits and vegetables that we eat i think you can get more nutrition uh out of the herbs so i take a lot of herbs dried herbs i have tinctures as well but i like both i like dried herbs um and then i take uh i take an amino acid and i take creatine i see your creatine over there it's like the most studied supplement in the history of mankind it's really hard to fuck it up it's one thing yeah exactly And you, you eat it anyway. You just don't eat enough to make an impact. Yeah. So between the amino acids, which are made out of non-soy uh, vegetables, and the creatine, I don't know what the derivative is. It was lab-made, right? Those are the only two synthetics I take. And okay. The, and the aminos that I take have 30 clinical trials on them, and they work like a fucking charm. Yeah. They stack your muscle. And so um, I think Ben Greenfield uses the same formula. Okay. Yeah. In, and Kion and and uh, I think Perfect Aminos. It's a it's a it's a patented. Uh, Dr. Luca Moretti designed them, and we have exclusive rights uh, nice. with the company that I work with, uh, Super Amino Twenty Three. And so people are listening, like, yeah, this dude is on a different level, like of eating, you know. And it se- it sounds extreme to people, just like when I talk, like, oh, you don't do this, you don't do this. I'm like, I have my own vices, dude, but. I just want to feel good. It's the same thing. Like I can eat 
a lot of things and still look this way because mm-hmm. of the output can still be high. I'm like, but I feel like shit. And then mm-hmm. I can't be creative. I can't be productive. I'm not inspired. I can't, I, I suck for people. I wouldn't be good here. There's so many things that come with it. So when people are listening, is there baseline advice you give people? Cause you share a ton of shit, but if someone's listening, like it can be, it's overwhelming. Yeah. They're like where, where the hell do I start? I eat shit every single day and I don't know anything about nutrition, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, start with my checklist. I put together a free checklist right on my uh, uh, website. I think it's there. I paid a bunch of people to make sure it's there. Yeah. Certifiedhealthnut.com forward slash checklist. It has the nine pillars, which are in the book. The seven factors of stress that destroy health and the five detoxification pathways that restore health. You put that checklist up on your refrigerator, at least you have a baseline of the basics, right? So my nine pillars are... uh, Legacy, I think it's important, especially for men, to have a due north, a dream, a purpose, a legacy. Get out of bed every day. Uh, Make sure that your lifestyle is built around the values around that. I can't work with clients until they have a dream in place because then I can build a lifestyle around them, a health lifestyle. Uh, Then you're going to need some hydration. You're going to need water. You're 70% water. I'd get some pure water. You know, start working in the direction of purest is best without going neurotic is what I teach people. Yeah. Because you can go crazy. The more water videos I make, the more fucking questions I get. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. Well, you go down the rabbit holes, dude. They can get real, real nuanced real fast. But the baseline is we tell people, like, obviously, like, hey, eat real food if you can. If it yep. ru- runs, it swims, it flies, it grows from the earth. And if you l- took a picture of every meal and there was protein, produce, and water, like, you're probably doing better than most people. Dude, that's very simplified. I love it. We, try so, to, we dumb it down. Yeah. 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 And I like to dumb it down, too. So eat real food. Uh, your body's going to need movement. Stagnant water, stagnant body of water turns into a cesspool. So movement is medicine. Um, 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 exercise is a necessity, not a luxury. You have to move your body. I my number one diet re- uh, exercise recommendation is walking, because it's the way we were designed to move through time and space. I teach qigong and de-stressing exercises. What is qigong exactly? Qi means energy. Gong means practice. So uh, it's an energy cultivation practice. I like to use the uh, electricity analogy. So to take the impedance out of the body, the body, the mind stores tension in the body. And if you've had trauma, car accidents, or like me and my stomach with uh, like emotional upset and stuff like that, the stagnation can build up. And then uh, with stagnation, it can also get calcified. Right. So like water on granite, you know, you can build the Grand Canyon. Right. So you dissolve those uh, impingements uh, in the body. You take away the resistance. You have more capacity for your electromagnetism to flow. Does it does that make sense? Yeah. And so uh, so rhythm and flow as above, so below how you do anything is how you do everything. As above, so below is the natural law of correspondence. So if you bring rhythm and flow into the body, uh, the mind and body are one. Ultimately, it'll bring more ease and grace into the mind. Uh, and with more um, rhythm and flow, um, we have more b- mobility, more stability, more emotional stability. So Qigong is an ancient practice of very gentle movements harmonized with the breath. And so uh, I would watch... Uh, old people get off the tourist buses, uh, Asian people, Grand Canyon, Santa Monica, where I lived, and they would sit there and do these little gentle movements, right? 
80 years old, you know. You're like, guy, what the hell is guy this? Guy with his mom. Or well, I had studied enough Tai Chi. Paul Check introduced me to quite a few moves, and I'd seen it over the years and watched a Bill Moyers expose um, back in the 80s where they he was shipped out to study natural medicine, ancient Chinese medicine, both herbalism in the hospitals, and then he went into the parks with all these Chinese people. And I watched this old guy in the corner and, the back of the, the back of the park and they, they talked about him a little bit and he would do this meditation where he would just stand and and he would he would just balance and you try and get into a meditative state right and he would just stand there off balance you can also do the horse stance right if you do this long enough yeah tuck your tail push off your heels this is excellent for postural alignment i mean how long can you do this for like you're right? holding a barrel, yeah. Yeah, it's it, and this is going to build chi, right? You come off of that, you feel great. So there's many variations that you can do it. And what I learned from the old Chinese people, somebody made it up back in the day. So if there's a move and your shoulder's not working, how about moving it in ways, rhythmically flowing, get my shoulder working again, Yeah. right? So I just made up a lot of stuff, and then I, my son plays hockey, and I would skate and... I would do certain moves on the skates, and then you would fall, and you'd go out of balance. But then when you go out of balance, you get that extra stretch down the, your neckline. So I developed a, a, a drunken monkey qigong. And so and I bring it onto the dance floor, an ecstatic dance in Sedona. And just funky ways to move the body and get the kinks out of there. Yeah, and just you, dynamically moving through space. Yeah, and, and making sure you're... Your junk works, man. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? I can do hip circles. I can do ankle circles. You just get everything working as dynamically as possible. I like to train on one leg as well. And martial arts, you know, is a punch, block, kick. You do that, you know, 10,000 times, you're a black belt, right? And yeah. so you're just, you're, just, you're just moving through time and space. So your training now is walking, it's this. Do you strength train at all? Oh, yeah. I'm back in the gym. I've been back in the gym since uh, I put the book together and started training with Paul Check as well. So after I threw in the towel for the uh, – and I wanted to move towards writing the book, um, I started putting all his functional fitness, his cable pulls and pushes and wood chops, and uh, that really helped my abdominal wall as well. Um, started doing a lot of breath work, but I did start doing all the strength training to build my body back up for the cover of this book. And so, so again, Paul helped me put all of the natural medicine together, uh, and heal my body from black mold and, uh, and then, and then shoot the book. So yeah, I do, uh, deadlift squats. I've had this groin thing, um, that's been going on. So it's been hard for me to get my mechanics right. My butt won't fire properly, and I can't get into a deep squat. And I can sit in a deep squat, right? Yeah, but just uh, your adductors or something? I think it's going straight up into my groin. I haven't, I'm haven't. i working with this Cairo right now and this myofascial person to get it, get it back online. Yeah. But, uh, but other than that, yeah, squats, deadlifts, dips. Pushing, pressing, the basic movements. Primal patterns. Yeah, weird. It works. It works, baby. How much, um, because you're <coughs> older now, how much mobility, like soft tissue work, massage work, uh, SMR stuff do you do? Or have you always kind of done that stuff? I learned years ago 
um, my friend was going to chiropractic school. This would have been when I first moved to L.A., so late 90s. Um, the Cairo for, I think, the Tampa Bay Lightning. This was, God, this was years ago, 25 years ago. He said well, my mobility, I think he had me doing a walking lunge. My knee would go, wah, 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 wah. Like, he looked at my stuff and he said, you have a classic ACL rip. And he was talking about surgery. And then I interviewed all my friends, you know. Troy Casey likes to do the uh, the good old college try. Like, I'll ask everybody just to get the feedback, you know. Yeah. And everybody I talked to, their knee was not the same ever, right? So I was like, shit. Let me go after this naturally. Let me see what will happen. And that's when I came across these Maori healers from New Zealand. They're known as the bone crushers, and they step on you, and they're like 300 pounds. And uh, they're spiritual healers, but they work with the human body. And okay. I, and I witnessed miracles with these people. In fact, people would come from all over the world for uh, fertility issues. And I witnessed many affluent people be able to conceive once they worked with the Maori. So I watched miracles. I watched exorcisms. I had my own healings with them. So I started working with them. And it's about the same time I started meditating really bumped up um, you know, all my natural medicine studies around herbalism. I started working with that company in the, in the Amazon rainforest. So I went all natural. I'm so glad I didn't, didn't get the surgery. So you really had an ACL tear or like a, something? They, they said it looked classic. I never had the MRI. Yeah. Uh, this guy was the, the, the Cairo for uh, Tampa Bay Lightning at the time. Yeah, so you had a knee issue that was fucked. Yeah, my, and my squat was just like all wobbly. Bloop, bloop. No stability. And yeah. I remember when I used to have my Cadillacs, I'd have the gangster lean. So I had postural stuff in my, you know, what do they call it? Anterior pelvic tilt. Yeah. I had all sorts of issues with my, my gait and stuff like that. So Paul helped me with the Swiss ball and putting all the postural alignment stuff. I did prone cobras and uh, Mackenzie press ups, you know, for years. Yeah. Um, glute activation. I'm still working on my glute activation stuff, like all the time. I'll do glute activation stuff more times than I'll do squats. I so, do every day now because my, I mean, it's strong. Like I can, I'm like older, but I'm still, compared to normal people, like strong as fuck. But my, like, glute medius, dude, weak as shit. I mean, yeah. And how old are you? 39. Yeah. So you're 39. So, I, I'm 57. I had black mold poisoning from, I think it was about 45 years old. And so did that, how did that fuck, I had fuck neurological issues. I'm a barefoot walker. I, and I, walking was my dominant exercise. My legs were like spaghetti legs for a couple of years there. My shoulders were all forward rounded and stuff. So I had to build everything back and just to get it working. Like At I, 45? Yeah. Jesus. And I love squats. How good do they make you feel? But if my mechanics aren't on point, they're dead, I'm, they're I'm brutal. I'm not loading up my spine. No. And so I learned how to do uh, uh, cable pulls with as heavy weight as you can without slipping across the floor uh, and just pull the cables up. They do the same mechanism uh, as the deadlift without loading up the spine. But it's not the same. No. You know, you know what it's like. It's yeah. not the same. So, um, yes. Yeah, so most of my workout is really just about getting my mechanics on point. And how many days a week do you like go into the gym to train two, three? Since I've moved to Scottsdale, um, 
because it's just part of my lifestyle. I'm in there six, sometimes seven days a week. Okay, yeah. You're so in f- it. Five to six. Your meat, your meathead, yeah. I'll walk through the doors. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm the guy who's on the power plate jiggling and yeah. walking backwards on the on the thing. I do dead hangs. You know, I'm 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 stretching, I'm I'm you know, doing pigeon pose to get into my IT bands, I'm rolling out. Um, I think I saw a video you were training the other day with um, what's his name, Michael Mike. Roviello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I had him on before. Oh, he's great. Yeah, he's a trip too. I love him. Yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. He's a smart guy. So I was showing him some functional stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm in there. I was in there just before I came over here, which today is Sunday. Nice. Uh, and then I get soft tissue work. Uh, I try and go uh, two or three times a week, and I've been doing that. So the Maori I met uh, 25 years ago, and. Uh, and then I was getting rolfed early on to clean up this knee issue okay. 25 years ago. And I got rolfed over 60 times. I've had over 60 sessions of healing with the Maori. So deep myofascial stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, since business has been pretty good over the last couple of years, I like to, I like to get in there one to three times a week. I like to get a good manual therapist. Yeah. At last week, I had one for two hours. That's the first time in my whole life I was there for two hours working on all my shit. And I'm like, yeah, I got some problems going on here. But it's like, it's nice because I can identify it then too. And I have the luxury I can afford it and I have the time I can go be there. But yeah, that's, um, I was curious like to how much you do because it is a, I know there's so many people who we see who come in, you know, most of our clients, 40, 50, whatever, or older, and no, do no work. And I'm like, you guys, like the mobility piece. But and, they'll pay for somebody to work on that Ferrari. And that's the and crazy. And wax it. That's the crazy thing to me. Because like when I don't feel good, nothing else fucking matters. Like yep. I don't care about your emails. I don't care about projects. Whatever my wife says, I could give a shit. I'm like, because I need to fix this first. But yet people are walking around every day just kind of going through the motions and like living with this. Essentially, it's chronic pain. I just don't even think most of them realize like how much it is. So I was curious, like how much tissue work you do, but sounds like quite a bit. Yeah. Well, what's the stat on LeBron James? Last I heard he's $1.5 million a year on his health. So he's got a PMF machine. He probably gets manual therapy. Oh, I think it's at least that high. Cause I know like, you know, James Harrison, uh, play for the Steelers forever. His was like, and again, James Harrison's like big fuck, strong as fuck. And he's gotta be, now he's just retired, but he was doing, yeah, like over a million just on basically the tissue work and all the rehab stuff. And I think LeBron's probably pushing $2 million bucks a year, yeah. which is crazy. But you watch him. He's my age playing in the NBA. And I'm like, bro, I haven't played in college basketball in 20 years. And I'm like, I can imagine like – and I like to think I'm relatively fit. There's no fucking way. Like my body would just be just broken, yet he's still going. And I just I know there's people who are like, well, you know, I don't make time for it. I'm like, you have to make time for it. Otherwise, at some point – there's going to be issues down the line. Pay now or pay later, baby. Yeah. So when I, if I tie that into uh, sleep for you, obviously you're a huge sleep proponent. Most people are chronically suffering from lack of sleep. What do you tell people? Just do it. <laughs> I mean, you can't have your dysfunction and your dream at the same time. So, um, you can play games with yourself. You can say hustle, hustle, grind, grind. You know, I'll sleep when I'm in the grave. But what happens is, is my Instagram box and people write me on social media with all sorts of aches and pains and metabolic dysfunction. 
in their 30s, in their 40s. My biggest following is 25 to 30. I have plenty of guys. No See, shit. Yeah. And and I have a good half and half women. Maybe not. It used to be half and half. Maybe it's more uh, 35. So uh, somebody's 20, 25. They will probably look at you and they're like, well, he's shredded. So he so knows, he, he yeah. knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And I have plenty of CEOs and uh, people that follow my work, which is really like who I like to target because they can have the greatest impact. If I cha- When I change their life, then they can go out there and change the rest of the world because I'm only talking about organic food. I'm only talking about simplicity. And so, um, so what was the question you asked? Just like how do you – what do you tell them for the sleep stuff? Because most people are like, well, I'm too busy. I have work. I have kids, whatever. I just don't make the time for it. And again, what is genetically? There's some outliers who maybe can get by with six hours, but most people it's probably seven to nine is the biggest number. So I, I go back to the research, seven to nine, uh, UCLA sleep – Sleep lab. There's tons of research on circadian rhythms, Tons. Cir- circadian hygiene. So the, the the cat is out of the bag. You got to get your sleep. Um, you can pay now or you can pay later. Um, when it when it comes to sleep, um, I like to put everything in hormonal terms um, and talk about stress management. I think it needs a better sexy sexier title like boost testosterone now. <laughs> But the fact of the matter is the sex hormones and the androgens don't come out and play if the, uh, the stress hormones are elevated, right? If you've got elevated cortisol, that's fight or flight energy, right? It's, yep. driv- it's driven by adrenaline. And usually if your nutrition's off, it's going to fuck with your insulin. So those are the primary hormonal pathways. And so the best way to restore the human body is the anabolic phase, the yin phase, the feminine phase, right? Which is sleep, right? And so, and sleep's free. So if you've got any kind of chronic pain or um, even emotional pain, right? Try getting good sleep that's going to restore the body. The problem is that most people can't get the sleep because of the stress in the mind, the digital stress. I put that in my book as well. The seven factors of stress, the blue light that's keeping us up, that's affecting the hormones. So really get your sleep hygiene. um, Like have a routine. On point. Yeah, understand blue light, understand electromagnetic radiation and pollution. Zero your room out as much as possible. Darkness, um, you know, make sure it's cool. Make sure it's viable for sleep. I wear the face mask for the eyes. There you go. It helps. There you go. I have noise cancellation headphones, not the Bose ones that have a, a, a Bluetooth frequency on it, but the construction worker ones or the okay, yeah, yeah. The, the gun shooting ones. They, they, they zero out the sound. They dampen it. Uh, for the most part, I could take a nap in that or, or uh, I can fall asleep and take them off. Also, they're pretty hardcore, so I can, I can sleep on my side if I have to. I did have a guy come in. He's, um, he just, he, I'm going to ask you about the breathwork stuff, too. He talked. He, he, that's what he does. He just coaches breathing all day. And uh, Michael does, too, at Optimize. Talks mm-hmm. a lot about it. Um, he turned me on to the nose strips. Yeah. To put them on my nose. Nose strips to open them. And I thought he was full of shit. And I put those on. I'm like, bro. It's like I'm a new person. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah. So I do the blackout eyes, and I do that when I go to sleep. It helps. Yeah, that's money. How about taping your mouth shut? Have yeah, you he gave that? me the vertical X tape, too. Yeah. Yeah, I've been really good with that. Super helpful. Yeah, I don't have the X tape because I got the beard and mustache. I know, because like if I don't shave mine, like it's hard as fuck to stick on. Yeah, you just, can do like... Uh, I just put a good strip right there. Mm. Yeah. Well, even at like, as I used to do athletic tape before they came out with this new one, so now this one's nice. Yeah, I forgot to do it a couple nights, uh, 
and I can taste in my mouth that my, my tongue is dry. So that means I'm mouth breathing. breathing. Boom, yeah. right there. So that's going to elevate cortisol. So it really just comes down to balance, really fine-tuning. And you're going to get so much more mileage than trying to go to the doctor for a pill or going and getting on a special, you know, secret diet tip or a secret exercise tip. Well, what do you have for your abs, you know? And it's like, yeah, you got, how's your sleep? <laughs> have you ever tried any of the sleeping pills? Because I remember years ago, I tried like an Ambien and I'm like, bro, that's like being on fucking drugs. Yeah. Like I'm asleep, but I like wasn't asleep. And I'm like, dude, this is like doing fucking like real shit. Yeah. And I talked to my brother and my brother had issues with heroin many years ago. And he said he woke up in somebody's hotel room with no clothes on and he was wide awake and he was naked just sitting there. And he's like, how did I get here? And so, and he knew how bad it was. He got sober uh, after that episode as well. Yeah. And so uh, he explained to me how creepy it was. And this was 30 years ago. Like Ambien is like heroin. Well, Ambien's weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know, when you, when you wake up awake and you don't know how you got there. Yeah, it's trippy shit. That's dangerous. Yeah. You know, that's like a roofie drug type of thing. Yeah. And so, uh, and I just had a client recently that was on a couple of big ones. And I download the side effects immediately of any drug that my clients are on whatsoever. And lo and behold, usually most of the problems they're coming to you for are right in the side effects of the drugs that they're taking. But Ambien is a big bad one. There's all sorts of hallucinations and psychosis that can happen with it. It says it right there on the literature, right there on the website. And so, um, but I don't feel like you, even when you take it, like you, you're not going to get rest. No. And I was going to ask you this Restoration too, with the sleep. Cause like people will, and now they have all the research, like with alcohol obviously has actually zero benefits at all. Like there's nothing good that actually comes from it whatsoever. Huberman did a fucking great broke down like a basic podcast on it. Uh, we had people listen to actually freaked a couple of them out, which is maybe good that though. And also like, uh, marijuana. Like if it's for me, like I, you know, probably smoked weed when I was 12 years old and like mm -hmm. you just kind of go through the progression. And then as you get older, you're like, well, it's legal now. I can do an edible. It helps me sleep. And for a long time, it'll make you tired mm -hmm. and you'll fall asleep hard as shit. But this is me being completely transparent. Like if I ever track it with like a whoop app or something in terms of sleep latency, I would never feel like I got a good night's sleep. Mm -hmm. Like I would wake, cause I wake up at four every day anyway, it's just how I'm wired. And I would wake up not like you took like 20 Benadryl or you're like really fucked, but just not as sharp and as quick when I wake up and do nothing. That's the way I feel. Mm -hmm. And I feel like marijuana had the same aspect, like the THC, whatever it was, but it's, it's too much or just like it fucked my system up. So even though I fell asleep, I didn't feel like the quality of sleep was great. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure your people say the same thing or you see that with people. Well, sweet sleep quality as well as sleep duration and time and, and, uh, um, the pattern that you get into, it's all, it's layered, right? And so, uh, but when you sleep, so if I get run down or if I get sore back or this, that, or the other thing, usually a good night's sleep, I'm done. I'm good. I wake up the next morning. Woo. Yeah. yeah. Ready to go. That is my hospital, right? My, my bed is my restoration time, rejuvenation time. And that says a lot for someone who's 57, um, and then of course, you know, I'm building my business now and I, I always, you know, run it, you can run into challenges. I don't have a perfect life by any means. Right. And so psychologically, I, 
you know, I can keep myself up at night. I have some anxiety or something. That's where the breath work comes in handy. You know, I can get out of a good sleep pattern as well. And so I just work my best to keep, you know, my, my target is 10 p.m. is late for me. Anything after 10 is late for me. Oh, bro, that's like... It's like 2 a.m. for me. I'm a fucker. If we get, we we, go to, we went to dinner, like uh, we did this adoptive family in December, so our day ran late. And we're coming back. I'm always like, we have dinner with our friends. And I've known this guy my whole life. She's like, I'm like, what time is it? She's like, 6.45. I'm like, fuck, dude. I'm like, it's going to be Starts late. breaking into it. I get home at like 9 o'clock. I'm like, God, dude, I'm smoked, bro. So, no, I try to keep it hard, too. So, what what do you do hours-wise? Six, seven, eight, nine? I'm a nine-hour guy. No, no, sure. Um, but I've had, I've had some stress in my life the last couple of years some lawsuits and just nonsense to deal with or actually my lawyer told me that, that uh this is the mark of success <laughs> oh that's like my, that's like your accountant telling you like when you got a huge tax bill like oh that means you're making money i'm like yeah but no i don't have any this is bullshit yeah right so like do you find yourself like you'd wake up in the middle of the night just stressing or you just couldn't get to sleep uh earlier no i can always get to i can always get to sleep okay i can always get to sleep just uh earlier and uh Make sure I tape my mouth shut so whatever good sleep that I'm getting, it's really dialed in. I've got I've got my breathing on point. You like um, any like tea or anything or herbs you take? Before? I take I, I take tart cherry juice from my company, uh, and it's uh, um, we have very clean tart cherry juice. Um, I should bring some of that over for you as well. It's the only plant on earth that has naturally occurring melatonin in it. Oh no shit! Yeah, and I you know I don't mess I don't recommend messing with any kind of synthetic hormones because then you're going to be dependent and can throw there's no isolated hormone situation going on so it's it can affect everything including your testosterone so when it comes to melatonin i don't recommend synthetics right but this is naturally occurring and uh and it's loaded with antioxidants and it's a thick syrup and so it tastes amazing it's got tons of vitamin c in it and that helps me not only fall asleep, but get deep sleep, deep REM sleep. The dreams are very vivid on it. So I take that, uh, and I take that with uh, some minerals, uh, ionic minerals, ionic elements. And uh, that's all I really do for sleep and sleep time, dark room, uh, no EMFs. My Wi-Fi goes off at night. Um, In yeah. your whole house? Yeah, there's a timer on it. That uh, goes from see, at least dude, you go hard. Eleven. You do some shit that like, I'm like, I don't know. Like you go hard in it, dude. When I had the black mold and I did a lot of research on electromagnetic radiation, um, but you're probably like so sick at that point. You're like, I'm gonna do fucking everything, anything, everything, yeah. And it's it's weird, you know, whether God or the universe or whatever you want to call it deals you these cards. And I've done enough interviews with people that have had terminal issues or. I just did one with a guy in the gym that's in there, 66 years old, and he still works out every day. And he's had uh, his lymph nodes ripped out of him and half of his trapezoid, and he's 66. And Jesus. I'm like, there's no excuses, guys. Just get in there and do it. And so um, so I think I've had to learn these lessons so I can help other people yeah. you know, heal. Um, what was that question again? Well, I was going to I'll ask you about the breathing thing, too, because of your nighttime routine where you – you turn your internet off because you take it to a different level. Oh, yeah. So I was studying with Dr. Dietrich Klinghart, who specializes in Lyme and autism. He's like one of the top guys up in Seattle. Um, and so uh, he said that, uh, you know, that the um, 
the ambient Wi-Fi would make the mold grow 600%. So even the electric electricity running through the walls and everything. So I learned how to turn off my breakers in this penthouse that I was living in. It still took me months to move out, right? I have a family of four. Where am I going to move? Yeah. Google moved into my neighborhood, so the rents went sky high. This was in Santa Monica. So um, I would turn off the breakers at night. I found the, I found the, uh, the fuse box, yeah. and it felt like I was camping. Like I, it felt like I was sleeping in the woods. And so you just you can't turn off your refrigerator because all your frozen food will melt and yeah. your food will go bad. So you got to be a little bit intelligent about that. I haven't turned the breakers off in the new house that I have. Um, but I do like to turn the Wi-Fi off because it makes a huge difference. Oh, shit. It absolutely does. And so, and it makes sense. So Klinghart said that uh, ambient Wi-Fi would make the microbes in the Petri dish grow 600%. And then when he put a Faraday cage over it, it would stop the growth. And these are bad microbes, right? And if you know anything about gut dysbiosis and glyphosate and what's happening inside the gut, yep. we don't want to expose ourselves to more garbage. It's crazy like how we've made all these things to make life better, but then simultaneously like kind of fucked it up. Well, that's the same what, time. That's what's going to come out in my next book. Manifest Destiny, baby. We, hey, we've, we've come a long way, but all right, now what the fuck are we doing? Uh, if I ask on the same note real quick, your breathing stuff. So if you have a breathing routine, <clears throat> like before you go to sleep or you just do one in general when you're stressed, because like I, I'll look at a lot of it. Like again, it sounds for people who, oh, it's just breathing. I'm like, well, it's the most important. It's weird because like in fitness, right? Like if you take what I do for a living. Like, we coach a lot of things, but movement is the biggest one. And we come in here and we teach people all these skills, right? And we, we try to talk to them about mobility and range of motion and all the things. But what's the most important thing? It's the breathing. Yet, it's hard to get people even now to buy into that. Like, hey, guys, we're going to come in here and just talk about breathing today. And people are like, fuck this. I need to burn calories. I need to move around. It's a tougher sell. But it is the most important thing we do. So do you have like a daily routine or a nighttime routine that you do? Well, taping my mouth shut, I mean, let's face it, if people don't understand that, they'll get more results optimizing their breathing mechanics while they're asleep, while they're awake. Breathing is directly related to the stress hormones. Um, if we're mouth breathing, neck breathing, we're going to have elevated cortisol. Elevated cortisol is going to shut digestion down. An overweight body is a stressed body. So if people want to lose weight, then getting your breathing mechanics on is a good idea. It changes people's face. It changes, well, yeah. I mean, it changes everything. In terms of, like, how they're doing, like, you know, basically braces now and the things, how people's faces are essentially elongating because we have kids that are just mouth breathers forever, which is trippy. When you start to go down that rabbit hole, I'm like, Jesus, dude, this is a real shit. So I try to be mindful of it all the time now, especially, like, if I'm stressed, too. Just even, like, controlling the breathing and slowing it down and going through, like, some simple practices does make a big difference. I've had enough people on here talk about the importance of it. And even being in this space, like you can tell, like when you train, when your breathing's off, everything is off. Yeah, Paul Check has extensive work on this as well. And, and um, I mean, I like to say that oxygen or breath is the first form of nu nutrition next to the sun, right? But if you don't have oxygen in three to five minutes, you're dead. If you're on a dry fast, you can last about seven to 10 days without water. 40 to 50 days, maybe no food, 
right? So that's the first form of nutrition that's coming into the body. Plus, if you look at chi and prana, the energy behind the breath, right? That is the real life force energy. And so having that optimized um, as almost a precursor to the nutrition, to the hydration, to the movement, the exercise, right? These, to me, if you want more bang for your buck, right? If you want compound interest, then definitely focus and look at your breathing mechanics. I have a, a exercise to retrain the diaphragm and your breathing mechanics properly so you're not a neck breather and a mouth breather um, in my uh, breathwork course. Uh, and I teach this in, in my stress management course as well. It's all uh, qigong. It's 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 baked in there basically if you just fly like an eagle let's let's just use i like that uh analogy as well just inhale exhale just fly like an eagle like your arms come up and down that's going to open up the diaphragm you're going to harmonize that that breathing movement just something as simple as that can help you recognize your breathing mechanics how long is your uh breath work course it's 12 weeks. Okay. And they just do a little something like every day? It's step by step and it's progressive and you build on it. You could probably finish it in two hours, right? Yeah. But it's it's best if you just go progressive. And it's really going to come down to the application of it as well. It's not just information you want to consume. It's practice. And most of the people like you meet or run into, like, do they have like dysfunctional breathing? Most of them? Yes. Or is there anybody you meet and you're like, yeah, that dude's good. But maybe because he's worked on it before or he's just naturally like, you know what I'm saying? Like when I, you look at people like, well, what is their imbalances in their body? Like we're not symmetrical. Like we just aren't as humans. Like you're going to have imbalances, whether it's your right leg, right arm, whatever it may be. And for the breathing, I wonder if it's similar. Like everybody just kind of has this fucked up breathing because we, we it, never taught it. We never learned it correctly. Correct. Inverted breathing patterns. I see breathwork coaches online have issues, inverted breathing patterns. And so I like the uh, mechanism that I picked up from Guru Prem, who's one of the top Kundalini guys out there. Um, imagine the belly button being pressed into the heart, right? Push the belly button into the heart. So when you're doing Breath of Fire, just imagine that belly button going towards the heart. I like that, right? That's a good, that's a good mechanism. Fly Like an Eagle, where I teach, an, I teach another Qigong move uh, in, in, in my courses. But Fly Like an Eagle is, is the same thing, right? Think about that. Inhale. Arms go up and the diaphragm totally opens up. Exhale. Belly button into the heart. If you watch, just watch, watch Hicks and Gracie, Crone Gracie. Oh, yeah. Hicks and Gracie's all about the exhale. Everything up. Keep going. Let the reflex hit in, then open up those arms. Exhale. Belly button into the heart. Keep going. I like the nasal breathing because I saw all Jim, James Nestor's stuff on Joe Rogan. I know, oh, that's a good I book. Know, he's got powerful research, right? Yeah, he does. So, so and he's not even a 
He's just a he, dude. He's not a breathwork guy. No, he's at just. All. A, it's which is crazy to me. But he did all the research. Yeah. And they plugged up his nose, and he got all sorts of diseases within two weeks. Didn't he have like diabetes or something? Yeah. Which is, but because I thought I'm like, oh, is he like a doctor or something? Like, no, he's just a dude who just went the hard guy. and breathed. Yeah. It's breath. Is it is it breath? Breathe. Breathe. That's the book. Breathe yeah. the breath. Something like that. Yeah. I didn't read it. I heard just heard enough. I had my own practice. Really understand that. Um, Paul Check talks about all the breathing mechanics and how the spine moves, right? And the organs. It's a symphony, baby. Yeah. It's a symphony. It's weird because like people are, you know, when you look at, it's kind of like how you would argue with your husband or wife or whatever. Your physiology changes. Mm-hmm. You, we don't lay down in bed like this and then scream at our partner. That's not what we do. We have a fighting stance. And the same thing when you're stressed, the breathing changes. And so you can essentially, in a lot of instances, become unstressed by just changing the breathing mm-hmm. like almost instantaneously mm-hmm. which was crazy to me it'll help digestion it'll help sleep it'll help mood yeah breath is life is the name of my breath work course because it is so if i'll do i'll ask you one more thing and i'll get you out of here um you do the journaling too or no yes i do i mean there comes in various stages right yeah when i had a lot of difficulty in my life i started doing the gratitude journal that I was challenged by my brother. And I saw that that gave me incredible results. And, um, and, and that was at a time, you know, I went through that DUI. I got really clear and just started boosting all my spiritual practices because um, it wasn't a rock bottom, but it was enough of a... a it was a, like a, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, what the fuck am I doing in my life? I'm 50 years old. Um, so let me get really clear. So I started journaling, at least the gratitude journal, three things I'm grateful for every day and every night. As I found myself, you know, you do it every day complaining. I did for a year and a half straight, 2016, 2017. Uh, and it, and it, and it changed my life. It really helped me. Um, and, uh, then when I went through my divorce separation, I kept on doing it. And then, you know, things started to really take off my business. So I, I, I kind of let it go. And uh, now I'm back. Uh, uh, now I'm back at it. Very important. Um, and also I'm doing some trauma journaling. This girl that wrote a poetry book. I forget what the name of it was. But I bought it at a, at a commercial store here. It's a hardcover. And I really like it because it has uh, stimulating exercises um, for... Um, your consciousness about your fears, about your anxieties, stuff like that. Really bring the trauma triggers to the forefront so you can write. I just think that journaling is, a, is an incredible tool. I haven't always journaled, but when I have, I've gotten incredible results. And I'm, I'm results-based. I'm results-oriented. You know, does this work? Let me drill down to bedrock. And so it's an excellent tool. And I'm back doing gratitude journal. I'm back meditating consistently um, every day. Um, cause I'm moving through another challenging time in my life. And so and it's interesting just because it sounds like such a simple thing. Let me write down some things I'm grateful for and thankful for just to have perspective too, like, which is basic yet. Most people wake up and we just, Oh yeah, I'm grateful. Um, yeah, I'm grateful. I'm good. I'm good. How many times have I heard that? Especially when it comes to nutrition. I'm good. I'm good. So yeah, but. The principle, how's the principle work? Uh, if I acknowledge the things that are great in my life, then more of the things that I desire move through me, to me. Providence moves through me. So 
I acknowledge the things that I'm grateful for because I have so many great things in my life. Even though I have a handful of challenges that maybe, you know, just boggles my mind. <laughs> I don't like lying, cheating, and stealing. I grew up on the street, right? If if you're a dick, your card's going to get pulled, right? Yeah. If you're if you're living out of the bound, if you're just trying to take over and take, uh, take people for a ride your card's going to get pulled so I don't like living like that so I'm an honest person and um, you know maybe I'm a little bit naive but I expect everyone else to be honest and I take people at their at their at their I, I mean I know you wince on that one but I mean I don't trust anybody uh, but that's me yeah I mean I, you know yeah I mean I, I've had to learn I'm going to trust that people are going to do exactly what they're going to do in the moment that they're doing it I trust that. Yeah. Right. I don't like to be a jaded person either. For sure. But in the last year, I have gotten pretty jaded. (laughs) And I don't like to be a mistrusting, distrusting person. Yeah. Um, So these practices help. Without me, without them, like you think, like, where, what the hell would I be doing? You know what I mean? But most people every day kind of live in this state where, like, they don't journal, they don't focus on breathing, they don't eat real food, they don't exercise, and they're just like, what the fuck? And they write me with big fucking problems. I mean, look at nine out of ten people are metabolically dysfunctional. If you've got a tire around your waist, that's not normal. If your dick doesn't work and you're in your twenties, thirties, forties, that's not normal. No. You know the shit you want to work. You know you want to wake up with with morning wood, and so like that's not normal. Don't take that laying down. That's your manhood right then and there, and so. Um, and so, like, for these people, you tell them, like, you know, what is your take on... Because I'm sure you go to, like, a some kind of doctor at some point. Me? Yeah. You don't go anywhere? You get your blood work done? No. Nothing? I look in the fucking mirror. No, you don't even do blood work. And the toilet bowl. Why do I need to? And not to mention, my Czech colleagues, I've been on their forums before. They send their dogs pee in there, their girlfriends pee. The labs get it fucked up all the time. No shit. Bro, now you're making people really trip out. Well, hey, what's wrong with the fucking mirror? What's wrong with the toilet bowl? I mean, I can see when when I'm living out out of the boundaries. You know, you talk about vices. You know, I like tobacco. I like to smoke a little bit. I got a, a little out of control with the 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 marijuana during lockdown and stuff. And 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 uh, I've, you can tell. I've 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 grown. I, you can tell. No, no, I'm saying like when you do, like. Yeah, and so and so 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 look, I look in the mirror. I can fucking tell. I only got myself to answer to, right? And so, and I've had enough black mold exposure and, and enough feeling like shit. Plus, I'm 57 right now. I feel stuff. I definitely feel stuff. When I used to take yoga classes in my 20s and 30s, and they'd be like, this pose works on your liver and your tendons and your this and your... Like, yeah, fucking that's bullshit. How'd you fucking learn that? You know, fucking yoga sutras. They don't know shit. I can fucking feel that now. Yeah. Like I can feel my, you know, my organs and stuff and, and, my, and my connective tissue and how it's all related, right? And so, um, so, yeah, I just think the mirror analogy is always working. We know when we're out of balance. We know it. We're living it. We create it. Um, we know our own vi- vices. We know if porn is draining us, if masturbating too much is draining us. I'm not saying live a perfect life. I'm not even telling people to live my life. I'm living my life. Live your life. But if you get down to brass tacks and be, you do... Be just, honest when you're fucking up. That's, that's it. <clears throat> if you can audit 
your behavior, which it's hard to do for most people. The mirror is never going to lie, right? The toilet bowl is not going to lie. You know, you know what a good shit feels like. Like we've done a podcast on poop here before because I don't think people do. Well, in the book, Everybody Poops is the greatest book of all time because every kid read it. I go, but if you don't know like what the frequency and consistency should be like, I do think, again, because we're so far from normal, that's become skewed for people. And then we just live in that. Again, like you said, we live in this dysfunction. Most people do. And one of the problems I have, Jeremy, is some of the stuff that's on the internet where people are selling these gimmicks and gadgets and shortcuts. There are no shortcuts. No. Right? It's, it's a bandit and a gunshot wound at best. Yeah. It's lifestyle. So you can say, oh, I'm going to go pay $10,000 and get these lab tests and get Viome and really get this on point and biohack my way out of dysfunction when you're still living a dysfunctional life. No, that's not going to work. You're going to need nature-based principles. You're going to need sunlight. You're going to need hydration. You're going to need to wrap your life around. Oh, I can't go a bottle of water and a good RO system and, and organic food is too expensive. You can make up all the excuses you want or you can get your results. Organic food is cheap when you look at results. High-quality water out of glass bottles may cost you a little more front on the front end, but it's going to feel good on the back end. Your tissues, your 70% water, your cells are replicating every seven years. You look in the mirror, you're going to know when you're living out of the bounds of nature, right? And I think, for me, I think it's simple, right? But this is also a lifestyle that I've lived for the last 33 years at varying degrees of it. And I've had good visions and good understandings from the ayahuasca, from the, 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 the 10 day courses of meditation and silence. I know what makes me tick. I know what works. I'm not lying to myself. My greatest fear, Jeremy, is lying to myself, right? Well, because the theory of it is easy for people. It's the application is hard because they have to change. You're basically saying tear down your house and build a new one. Because the house you built is built on a shitty foundation. How you're eating, how you're training, how you're sleeping, what you're doing is not conducive to you being the healthiest person. But we're, get, we're getting, I, I'm finally at the first point now where we're getting people where, again, because we do this, we chase money, we do whatever, we keep stats in America, that's what we do. I'm getting people now who are older who are like, you know what, this job isn't worth it anymore. This money isn't worth it. I can do, instead of making, you know, 500,000 bucks a year, I can make 200 and I can be healthier. I can have less stress, more free time, better sleep. And that's actually what I need to do as opposed to chasing this goal and doing this thing. And this is now the first probably year I've had people do that, which is kind of cool to see because that was never the case historically. But because they've gotten to the point where they're so basically fucked up or broken, they're like, I can see the trajectory of where this is going. So now they're coming back and it's like, well, Jeremy, what do you suggest? I'm like, just eat real food, dude. And like move around and like don't abuse drugs and alcohol and get good sleep and go to sleep crazy so i'll let you go out on this what's the um if there's something people could do right now like and, and i will talk about your shit in a second but is there anything like hey if someone's out there just listening it's like just the basic stuff dude get your ass outside and don't eat so bad correct i mean it's all there's nothing new under the sun like martial arts masters teach basics punch block kick hydration nutrition sleep relation we're in relationship with everyone it's a good idea to work towards understanding and forgiveness no matter where you are at emotionally because that just is going to pay dividends on the long run because if you're beating other people up you're beating yourself up right and so um 
nutrition, organic food, that's what the body requires, enzyme-rich. Nature, nature-based philosophies, these things aren't going, you have to move your body. It's not a luxury to, ha- to, to do exercise. It's a necessity. So, yes, basics all day long, replication of the basics. I was going to ask you, too, because you are, you, you know so much. Like, you have a ton of knowledge, a ton of information, and not just, like, surface level. Like, we're talking cellular level shit on a lot of stuff. It's impressive. Do you ever watch TV? You know what I mean? Because, like, you've acquired a ton of knowledge, and you, you're busy. So I'm just curious, like, what your – do you have an escapism that's not rooted in this? Yes. I, I, don't, I don't do a lot of normal people shit. That's why I ask. Yeah, you know, I haven't had television in a while, and, and any house that I lived in, we didn't purchase a television, but I've been living in rented houses since I've been in Arizona. Uh, when I was in Sedona, uh, I like to unplug everything, right? I don't like everything plugged in, especially smart TVs or anything. But this house that I live in now, and then I think my kids hooked up the Netflix to it. Their mom has a Netflix account. Yeah. So it does help me decompress. And like, what do you watch? Um, I just watched. Uh, I watched the Unabomber thing because I like human psychology. So I okay. watched uni- uh, anything on, that's on Netflix. So I watched uh, the John McAvee thing. Okay. And it's hard for me to watch this dysfunctional shit because I think McAvee had some good things. Uh, you know, there's two forces, yin and yang, that guide everything. We have light and dark inside of us. But his debauchery life was, it got out of control. And I, you know, I, I just, I just think uh, Unabomber was definitely right on a lot of things, but, you know, uh, killing innocent people is bad news. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the watch is psychology. I thought that was interesting. Uh, I like uh, Ancient uh, Apocalypse with uh, Graham Hancock. I thought that was uh, uh, pretty powerful. I'm on a Netflix series right now called Chad and JT Go Deep. And I love comedy, and so JP Sears is a good friend of mine. Oh yeah, yeah, he's the he's a ponytail. Yeah, yeah. long red haired guy, he's fit too. Well, he's a check practitioner. That guy's got like two doctorates. So oh no shit. Oh fuck yeah, I didn't know that he because was, he's he's in your book too. Uh, yeah, he gave me a uh, endorsement. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, JP's amazing, and he's a check practitioner. He was the youngest and fastest to go through. Uh, all of Paul Check's courses, which takes about seven and a half years. And then he was Czech faculty, right? So he would teach Paul's courses. No shit. And then he also studied with John McMullen, Journeys of Wisdom, to get all of his alcoholic dysfunctional. Most of his comedy is based on his own dysfunction and psychology, right? Really? Yeah, if you listen to it, it's pretty intricate and funny. And so... Um, and this iteration is all political. If you go back to his ultra-spiritual videos, they were fucking hilarious. Yeah. So he studied with John McMullen from Journeys of Wisdom for at least 12 years. And so JP's super smart and super fit. And uh, so anyhow, I'm on uh, Chad and JT Go Deep. They made it all the way to Howard Stern because they used to go to the, the city council meetings. And, and they film it. And it was fucking funny. They'd oh, ask shit. stupid questions. And on the very first episode, they go, yeah, our guru Troy from Venice taught us butthole sunning, and we need a place to butthole sun, or otherwise it's illegal. Anyway, it's pretty funny. So they shout me out on the first episode, but episode five, we do ice baths, breath work, hoppe. This is on Netflix? This is on Netflix. No shit. And so so that show, that series is funny. The whole series, it's kind of deadpan um, frat boy humor. Yeah. 
and uh, Chad and JT go deep. I'm on episode five. St- Stokers unite. Uh, Chappelle show. Chappelle show and Chappelle is on there. So I like comedy. Oh, Laughter yeah. is the best medicine. Chappelle shows all time. Yeah, yeah. I, and I did stand up comedy. And his his Netflix specials are brilliant. Oh yeah. You know. No, Dave's a man. He's a goat. Yeah. Yeah. And, to me. Yeah, and comedy is a high level of intelligence. And so I, lo- I love that. Um, I'm open to recommendations if you have any, but uh, I probably watched a handful. I watched the Trump piece. Uh, I wanted to see how he, com- he came up. And uh, there's so much just cancellation and hate. I watched the, the, speaking about cancellation and hate, I watched the Kanye piece, okay. 20 years of Kanye coming up. I thought that was interesting. You know, what makes people? What do they go through? So you still, you watch like a lot of, either it's comedy or it's like it seems to be educational shit. Yeah, well, like I said, I don't typically have media in my house plugged in, but I moved into a house. That's got it there. That has it there, and I do like to relax, and I have it in my room. So so recently I've done that. Plus, I'm on the small screen, and I do watch a bunch of content that either trickles through my filters. People send me stuff all the time, and and there's a lot of educational stuff like all the lockdowns and the history of the – the financial system and you know people call it conspiracy theories but you know i do a lot of research into actually how the world works i read john perkins book confessions of an economic hitman and so there's a lot of documentaries um from freedom to fascism you know 2010 aaron russo that was a good movie uh the zeitgeist films were, were good the history of religion the history of the banking system, the history of history, right? Who funded Hitler? Like there's some questions we can ask ourselves. You know, what is pumped down these conduits of educational? That's why I like uh, Ancient Apocalypse. He questions anthropology, which questions the cornerstone of history and what's taught in our universities. And this is the premise that I was taught in school as well. So let's question all aspects of our reality. So to me, it's like question everything. And an unexamined life is a life not worth living. Because Graham Hancock's been on Rogan before. And he started writing books, yeah. Fingerprints of the Gods, back in 95, questioning archaeology. And I studied the Mayan, the Egyptian, and the Incan temples. I walked a lot of those temples barefoot to pick up the energy myself and have asked myself, because I have a huge bent to save the world, if you will, uh, and move towards free energy, Tesla technology. So how did they build the Egyptian pyramids? How did they build these Mayan and uh, Incan temples? Puma Punku is 8,000 years old. and it, They say it was cut with diamond cutters. We didn't have that technology back then. So, that shit trips me out. So, yeah, what is actually happening on this planet? And can we get beyond oil, which is attached to the petrodollar? And how egalitarian are these things if we have to base our whole lifestyle on war and genocide to get those natural resources out of the earth? And then we pay with everything through the petrodollar. What's the history of that? Let's ask the bigger questions. So I'm a big picture guy. I'm not just the intricacies of natural medicine and esoteric knowledge around that. I'm like, well, what are we doing as a species? And can we elevate? And studying with the Maoris, I, they, they, they taught me that the human being is the most te- technolo- technological advanced piece of equipment in the whole entire universe. So if you're looking into aliens and all that other stuff, you know, and future technology and sci-fi and all that stuff, well, the human being is the most technological advanced piece of equipment. So Einstein said we're only using 5% of our brain and that imagination is more important than knowledge. 
So what are we capable of, Jeremy? That's what I'm all about. How can we evolve beyond where we're at right now? You're tripping me out now. <laughs> yeah, bro. You're, you're going deep on it. Got to get people in here talking about AI, and then I got you talking about this. I'm like, Jesus, man. I'm like, I'm losing my shit here. Well, I think AI is great, but I think it's a prosthetic compared to what we can do. Well, yeah, and I'm a fan of questioning things because we say this all the time here. I'm like, everything is made up. Like, Correct. Like, my name is on this building. I made this shit up one day. I just was, didn't want to do what I was doing, and so I just made up this whole life, and I created this whole environment and ecosystem where I can be successful because it's geared around what I'm good at, and I have fun, and I can hang out with cool people and do cool shit and make money, and it's fucking great. It's really no different than Apple. It's just smaller, and I don't produce as much money, and I don't touch as many people. I'm like, but Apple was made up too by just a dude who was really smart and who had a really great vision. I'm like, but that's the way I look at everything. I'm like, I look at the system we live in. It's just a bunch of people made it up and we just kind of all follow by a similar kind of set of rules. And as crazy as it is, like, and people are crazy, but for the most part, we're all pretty fucking chill. Like I come in here and I'm like, nobody lit the building on fire every day. And everyone's kind of all, we all kind of follow the same rules. But then when you question them, you're like, well, fuck dude. Some of them are good and some of them are not great. Well, can we do better is my question. And yes, uh, yes is the answer. Can we do better? And is my lifestyle based on the genocide of people elsewhere in the world to get the cobalt out of my uh, hybrid car or you my seen the telephone? Di- you seen the digging on that shit? I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but man, like I watched like them doing like just people just in pits just digging for that shit. I came out of the Amazon. I understand. So the, you lived the, it. The destruction of planet earth for industry i'm just here to dream the impossible dream if you can say that about apple right you at least you have an open mind that's huge that's awesome it's no different from the wright brothers wanting to fly like an eagle can we do things and elevate the human consciousness to the next level and build stations on mars and and but make sure that at least earth we're in symbiotic relationship, and the way I have my environmental bent is aligned with biomimicry. Life creates conditions conducive for life, which is sustainable. If we're 30%, what are we, 5% of the population using 30% of the natural resources contributing to 25% of the pollution, and oil, fossil fuel burning into the atmosphere is not sustainable, then we can't export that to China and India. Right, And so those aren't systems that are beneficial for the all. And if you look at the all and what we're doing to the earth and soil health, right? I eat organic. Maybe you eat organic as well. Or you like nutritious food. Yes. There's not going to be any soil left in the next 60 years. If you go on the British Soil Association, look at soil science or kiss the ground regeneration farming. Kisstheground.com, I think is. Who's the other guy? The um, Like the soot guru? Is on a huge soil mission. And so is that other Indian woman fighting <clears throat> glyphosate. And 100,000 farmers in India committed suicide because of the killer seeds and what Monsanto is selling. Paul Check put that on that video we made in 2011. I'll send it to you. And so, uh, yeah, 100,000 farmers committed suicide because of all these politics and farming and, and soil. What What's Bill Gates done since lockdown. I heard he bought up a whole bunch of farmland in the United States and then uh, all, all a bunch of uh, food manufacturing plants. He's getting uh, burned down. He's getting people to try and eat, uh, what is it, Impossible Burger, Well, again, which is like, but poison. Those, but those aren't environmentally friendly anyway. 
Correct. Like, I think that people are if you if a, if a life's for a life, like if it's me for a cow, that's the, that's a better option. If you're looking at eating the Impossible Burgers, that basically they have to plant these things and they basically kill every single gophers. Thing. Yeah. Well, I think people don't understand the cost of what that is. Where it's like, well, okay, well, they're plants. I'm like, well, when you kill everything that's underneath the soil and everything that live there, it's the numbers are way bigger. Correct. If a life is for a life, if that's really what we're talking about. And yeah, and I'm not I'm not with the eating bugs and shit. Like I don't understand. Like that's shit's not gonna fly here. That would be maybe as a rotational food, but not as a staple. No, I'm not. I'm a I'm a meat person. That's I'm, what I do. I'm a, I'm a meat person as well. Ted Nugent talks about that. I become friends with Ted. No shit. Over the last couple of years, bro. You know everybody. I love Ted, man. Ted's the fucking real deal. The Motor City Madman. Yeah, he's 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 great. But yeah, it, you're going to kill the gophers and the flora and the fauna to do these monocultured crops. It is not more sustainable to eat vegan. And I'm telling you. Because you did it. Because <laughs> it wasn't sustainable for me. Well, right? I wish that was the transparency around it. Like when you watch... I'm going to keep going down fucking rabbit holes here. Like when you watch these documentaries like on Netflix and stuff, I always am asked like where... Just follow the money. Is, is pretty much what I say. So, again, I'm not against being vegan. I'm not against you being carnivore. You can eat whatever works best for your body type that makes you feel the best. I'm a fan of choice. But when you look at, like, oh, you know, uh, eggs are as bad as, like, cigarettes, and they'll say these ridiculous fucking things. Well, it's funded by people who have, you know, stock and stake in these either vegan companies or plant-based companies. I'm like, and that's what's vilifying that. They're not telling the, the whole story. It's like you're you're getting a husband and wife. Well, he's the worst, she's the worst. I'm like, I'm sure there's some truth there in the middle. That's pretty much what this is. But when I watch things, I'm like, people, well, hey, what did you think about this documentary? I'm like, well, it's entertainment. I don't think it's real. Most of them aren't painting a real clear picture because they're saying, well, if you eat this way, it's better for the environment, it's better for people. I'm like, but it's not true. According to who? That's like, that's like saying sustainability or sustainable and then putting an electric car next to it but not talking about the tungsten, lithium, and cobalt mines. Paul Check wrote an incredible book if people want to know the research and the science on um, everything that we're talking about and how food companies also invest in... Uh, um, uh, or tobacco companies invest in smoking cessation uh, uh, programs and food companies and chemical companies. They're all one, right? Pharmaceutical companies. So it's called Under the Veil of Deception. And you can probably find it on the internet. I'm assuming it's on the Czech Institute uh, website. Um, but Under the Veil of Deception um, because these things are all intertwined. The multinational corporations, they own the media channels. I realized over the years that everything from the history of media has been pay-per-play, right? Even news reports. Everything's pay-per-play for either political or economic gain. And so Walter Cronkite, Dan Rather, all the way back, you know, uh, what is it? The food pyramid and red meat's bad for you and red meat, you know, that's Coffee's get, good for you. Coffee's bad for you. That's how we got in this mess by just giving people shit information because if the sugar industry wants to pay for this, we're going to suppress this information. Like you can go back and they have all those studies too. Like we're basically, that's why we got here. Oh, it's, you know, everything is low fat. And it's like, well, okay. And that's how we got to, I mean, it's all shit at the end of the day. At least now there's transparency about it because with the internet, like these guys can lie, but now we have sound bites, bro, and we have all the information. So at least like now you can see it. So it's I a meme war. Yeah, I think it's getting better. 
But yeah, it's when you go down the rabbit holes, it really is fucked like how the game is. Again, it's a personal responsibility for you to eat right and do the things you have to do. But the game is kind of, it's skewed against you because these companies are not dumb. They don't hire stupid people to make these products. They know what they're doing and they know they're hyper palatable and they know they're easy for you and they're fast and they're quick and they're cheap. And it's like, it is, if you're not willing to do the work, it is stacked against you in one way or the other. And their marketing team has the best psychologist, child psychologist, neuroscientist to penetrate your mind and your consciousness and to bamboozle you and go into poisoning yourself. Because when you're a kid, like, did you eat just normal shit food? Yeah. My, my mom fed us TV dinners and my mom cooked at home as well. Yeah. Uh, but she also fed us TV dinners and took us out to McDonald's. And McDonald's probably wasn't half as bad as it is now. But Captain Crunch and Pop-Tarts. I talk, same, same here. Yeah. Yeah. I talked about that in my book uh, for the most part. Plus, you know. Wheat wasn't as bad as it what it is, and the, a guy that wrote Wheat Belly thinks it's all actually coming from glyphosate. Anyways, uh, it's just that the uh, the, dige- uh, the digestive tract has been broken down. They say the cilia in your hair, when your uh, the little hairs inside of your uh, your gut lining that absorb nutrients, is like uh, a floating shag carpet uh, on the molecular scale, and uh, when you're a baby, that's the way you come out of the womb. But by the time you get hammered by all these industrial compounds, especially glyphosate, that shag carpet turns into Berber. And when you have Berber, that's celiac disease. I've heard this analogy before. That yeah. makes sense. And most people vacillate in between um, complete gust, gut dysfunction of celiac disease where they get allergic or uh, anaphylactic shock just from touching gluten. Didn't uh, George Bush Jr., he ate a pretzel one time and had an anaphylactic shock. He almost collapsed, right? No shit. Yeah, I remember that. Look it up. And so, uh, uh, and then you have varying degrees of that and cleaning up the gut. Um, I had, um, you know who Dr. Amy Shaw is? Uh, yeah, I, that rings a bell. Yeah, I've had her on here. She's a gangster. I think her one book is so effing tired and then the other one's like so effing hungry. But all she did was talk about gut health the whole time and like just how, obviously, whether, you know, how you want to think about it, if it's your first brain, second brain, depending on, you know, what school of thought you come from. She was like, you know, your the environment in your gut is so shit for most of you. That's the problem. She goes, we've seen people where we we take them off, have them eat real food, fermented foods, things that agree with them, and then the environment becomes great. The things that used to fuck them up now don't fuck them up anymore right. because the environment's better, which I thought was interesting too because I'm like, why is this assumed, okay, if – if dairy is your thing, right? It it fuck it's it messes with you. That's just how it's gonna be. But she's like, No, no, no. You can change the yep. environment because the bacteria can be changed. Yep. Which I thought was interesting to hear. Yeah, I went dairy I went off dairy for, for years because I had to clean up my diet from the standard American diet. Same here. Captain Crunch of Pop Tarts, if you will. I went elimination style, so I went down to basically like three foods and I built it back up from there. Sucked ass. But Great. I felt like shit, dude. Yep. Uh, but now I know. Did like, you get that from Paul Check's book? Um, actually, you know what? Like, I just like, I was like a normal person. Like I drank, you know, in college, like I played sports. So I would just wake up, chew, eat pizza, drink 20 beers, you know, between, you know, playing sports. And it wasn't until like I was almost done. I was just like a fucking train wreck. Like I was going to the bathroom, like everything was all like intestinal ulcers, you name it. And, uh, this is, you know, I'm talking like 2005, six, and I couldn't figure it out, but I didn't have this background of like nutrition. I didn't think I wasn't looking at food as the problem. Even though I was eating like mm. just complete fucking dog shit, I end up at the fucking Mayo Clinic because I'm from Minnesota, and I'm in there putting cameras up my butt and down my nose and all the shit, and they're just like, "Yeah, dude, just go down to eat like 
three, four things and just build it from there and see what you can do there. Cause like, we just can't figure it out. But even them, it's not like they're having nutritionists break down. They're like, Oh, you know, this food seems normal. I'm like, again, what normal is, is it normal? So then I just start eating like basically oatmeal and eggs and chicken and drinking water. And I just kind of build it by time. And that's kind of why I became Jeremy Scott fitness, if you will. Cause I was so fucking sick yep. and was just fucked up. I'm like, this can't be how it is. Like uh, going to the bathroom can't be this way. Feeling this bad at 23 years old can't be this way. And so it was, that was kind of my rock bo- bark bop bottom, basically. Your curse is your gift. That's, I mean, dude, that's exactly what happened to me. Yeah. Basically, I felt like shit, and that took me on a road to where I'm at today. The other thing I want to say about nutrition, though, is quality. When we're talking about nutrition, let's please talk about quality, because some of those movies you mentioned, like What the Health... And these other things, they're not talking about vegan junk food or non-organic. All that stuff can be GMO'd and, and uh, because vegan just means no no meat. Well, and, that, and I think that's the problem for some people. The And again, I'm not against it. Like if you want to eat all vegetables, respect. I go, but the adherence is harder because you're taking out something that gives you so much. So, okay, if I'm going to take out meat, so I'm taking out vitamins, minerals, aminos, all the complete proteins for the most part. I mean, you can get like a Koya or something, I guess, that has them, which I do like those. But you're devoid of a lot of these things. So what am I going to fill it with? The amount of diligence you have to have. Like when you travel and just eat vegetables, it's really fucking tough. Dude, that's what I learned. You know what I'm saying? Like how are you – so what are you eating? Like fucking crackers? Like you know what I'm saying? Like because how else do you fill the calories alone, not even to mention the macros, to, to feel what you're going to do if you have a specific goal in terms of performance or aesthetics or something? That seems like it'd be insanely hard. Like I think it's hard when I travel. And I can just eat fucking meat and drink water and call it a day. And without that, it'd be tough. So I guess what I'm saying is a lot of people that we find come into us and say, hey, Jeremy, here's how I eat. And I'm not saying, you know, just eat meat. I'm not trying to change you. But if you're not eating mostly real food when you're doing that, I think that diet is significantly worse than a, a balanced one of real foods because it's just very hard to eat enough carrots and asparagus in a single day. And there's other things you can eat grains too. I get that. But again, the quality of grains that you're eating, what are those? Totally. Is it sprayed with pesticides and herbicides? Yeah. Because that's going to kill the, those gut microbes. So when you shop, it's mostly natural grocers, Whole Foods? Yeah, I like natural grocers because... So do I. Um, it's my favorite. I used to think it sucked. Um, I'm like, this place sucks because I didn't understand it. It's just not as busy. Uh, no, only as a checkout. And there'll be one person checking out three people. It pisses me off because i got to wait there for five minutes. Uh, and you got to bring your own bag. But it is... Uh, I do love that place. because Best they, prices, highest quality... It's crazy because I'll share this story here. Most people won't get it. I got a guy here. I turned him on to the uh, True Story organic chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, they make like these the chunks of it instead of the sheets. I actually do like it. And uh, But it's like seven bucks for like six ounces, which is expensive as fuck. If you go to Sprouts, it's like 12 bucks. I'm like, dude, how is it a $5 difference? But I'm like, they do when you look at it to a T. Like even like their, I do like their Koyas. They carry all the GT stuff. Like I'm a fan of what they do. Like they, that is my new favorite place mm-hmm. for sure. Are you going to the farmer's market too? I don't. Because that's another level too. There's a good uh, lamb, beef, and chicken lady down there. No so shit. you can get whole chickens. Where's yeah. it at? Where's it at? It's at Scottsdale uh, uh, Old Town uh, Saturday morning, I think 8 to 1. Okay. Anything that you're going to get from the farmer's market is going to be a little bit more local, a little bit more, less pesticides and herbicides. 
uh, and there's just a variety. So, and the eggs are going to be higher grade. Legit. Yeah. And so, not ever. You got to ask the farmers what they're using, but um, definitely support the farmers markets. Otherwise, we're not going to have any fucking farmers left. No, I'll check that out for sure. Everything's going to be Bill Gates. Yeah, that's not Impossible Burger. No, I can't. Have you ever tried one? Oh fuck no. No. I mean, I can't even think about it. I stay away from soy. I avoid soy like the plague. That's my thing too. I'm like, what? I always tell people, I'm like, I'm not trying to crush the vegan dreams here, but when you're eating those things, like to make it look like meat and taste like meat and bleed like meat, there's no way you can convince me that that's better than just here's the cow. Like I have a hard time believing those, that. Those ingredients are bad news. Because it's so far away from its natural form. It's crazy to see. I was wondering where you do shop because I do – anybody, if you have a natural grocers, it's, your good, it's a good go-to. I like Whole Foods, but, man, it's like the prices are fucking terrible. Well, and then you're supporting Jeff Bezos and Amazon corporate takeover. and That's where I did get your book. <laughs> right? I, I get it. <laughs> but my, it, was, it, came, it came fast. My ex-wife was in the fashion industry, and uh, she was crushing it when we met. And within a very small amount of time, her whole industry was usurped just from the internet. I don't know if it was all Amazon. Yeah, they just have a monopoly, basically. Yeah, I mean, uh, but the whole digital thing just totally replaced her her industry. And uh, the one thing I do like about, especially the bigger Whole Foods, is they have, uh, like, their meat section. They've got really good grass-fed. They have a ton of stuff. Grass-fed, grass-finished. They have, uh, um, they've got some wild fish. They've got some really good cheeses, and uh, and they've got a juice bar. And you got to ask which uh, which ingredients of the juice bar are organic. Um, and so it's it's good to have those commercial available uh, things. And so um, and it plus it's a good hub. I've been shopping at health food stores for thirty three years. Um, it's a good hub to meet people. Oh, yeah. People that are a little bit more health-minded. No, and I, do, I will say, like, with the natural grocers, because you can get bison, you can get elk there, you can get different, like, I guess, wild, which is not just the basic, which I do like, too. It's all good stuff. Yeah. Um, I'll get you out of here. Where can these guys, um, where can they find you at? What, um, what stuff can they dig into? You have a course. You have the book, obviously, which I'll put in the show notes, too. But where are you at? Is your website the best place to go? Or yeah. Instagram? You put out a lot of shit, dude. Every day you post? <laughs> it's good stuff. Like, you go deep. What are the clips? They got to be less than 90 seconds, right? Because they're reels? Yeah, and that's my professional guy helped me out with that because uh, because of all the censorship through the lockdowns, uh, I got shadow banned and almost completely kicked off. So I really have... Instagram? Yeah. Well... How about your YouTube? Uh, my YouTube... I don't know if I got any. Your YouTube's big. Yeah, my YouTube did pretty well, I think, as well. I, I did put out a coronavirus video early on. That's how JP got into politics, right? Because he was talking about health. He made fun of the whole thing, and they censored him. They demonetized him. And he's got millions of followers. So as soon as that happened, that's when he went full. And this, was, this happened to the Hodge twins, too. Are you a Hodge twin fan? I know who they are, yeah. They're great. I well, because the JP, I think I saw him on, like, Dan Crenshaw posted him on something. They were doing a speaking event together or something. And I was like, oh, I didn't know he was into politics and shit. Well, he got, he got demonetized. He got censored. Off and, his YouTube. Yeah. Yep. And, dude, you're talking, like, real money. Yeah. Fuck, dude. I've never been monetized on YouTube because Seriously? Of, I just don't want to put corporate advertising on my art. 
But oh. now, but now it doesn't matter. They're gonna fucking pop out advertising on my shit anyway. Might as well turn it on. I think I. I don't know. Get I, paid. How many people are on YouTube? One hundred thirty-three thousand. Yes, sir. I've been on YouTube almost twenty years. It starts to make money. When you're over hundred k, man, you're making money. Really? Yeah. All right, I'll look into. I it. mean, it's. I, I, well, I share the story. Like I had to do it in here. They're um, advertising on my stuff, anyways. Now that's the only reason. But for twenty years, I, I just I didn't. I didn't like advertising on the videos I wanted to make, so I didn't. I didn't punish my people. Yeah, that. I way. mean, that's sort of respect. That's respect doesn't always pay the rent. No, that there surely doesn't, man. <laughs> that's crazy. I had no idea. That's gnarly. Yeah, because you got a good. Your YouTube is good, and so is your Instagram. So where is that where you tell people to go mostly? Um, or your site? I'm branded across the internet. I own my own trademark, certified health not across the internet. I'm on Twitter too. I love Twitter's all free speech right now. <laughs> yeah, it's a wild west on there. It's it's fucking funny over there because you could actually talk about shit that we all knew was truthful back then. Fauci files, anyways. So uh, died suddenly. Uh, anyhow, I'm across all mediums. CertifiedHealthNut.com and um, um, yeah. I'm not always the greatest marketer. When <laughs> no, man, your stuff's good. I'll pump it in the show notes again. If you guys, he's on Instagram. He puts stuff every day. It's it's legit stuff. You get deep into it, but in ninety seconds, so it's bite sizable. It's not this, you know, insane thing that people can't just digest within two minutes. And I do. I watch them. Yeah, my, my buddy John helped me out with that. He handled a Spartan race for many years, and uh, he's, oh, yeah, yeah. he's he's a professional guy, and so he took over my Instagram. And I was pumping out twenty pieces of content per day. I still do a lot, but that includes stories, posts, memes. Um, I would post almost three times a day on uh, Instagram until he took it over. And he what he was able to do in a very short amount of time got me a quarter million people on. TikTok, and I had been banned off of TikTok for shooting my AR-15 and, and weapons on 4th of July with my children, talking shit about the CCP. <laughs> you get banned from that? I got fucking permanently banned, and my guy got me reinstated. Yeah, because I'm like, I think I did, I think on my 4th of July, I was, I blew up, I'm from the Midwest, so my dad's a hillbilly, um, like Tannerite, you can make your own, it's basically an explosive, you can yeah. like bury it inside of a wall, and we just like shoot it with AKs and ARs and just blow it up. But I did post on the 4th of July. But that's Instagram. And they were like, it's cool. Yeah, well, that's an American company. You know? Oh, yeah. Or you would oh, think yeah. it would be. No shit. But I was on TikTok. I was on all platforms just talking shit about freedom, freedom of speech and shit. Yeah, I tend to stay in the do your push-ups and do whatever. Uh, yeah, and yeah. and I'd like to be that guy. It's just that I get a little bit of a big mouth. So I do have John running my stuff now, so thank God. and uh, And so things are more meme-ish, shareable, informational. Uh, he picks the titles. And so I do like, after 20 years of making all my own stuff and posting it, I do like professionals and I do like a team. It's been challenging finding real professionals that are, that are willing to work in this day and age. I agree. Uh, man, so John's a big keeper and, uh, and we'll find somebody for my YouTube. Otherwise, if it's not my son, I think my son will probably end up helping me out with that. Shit, man. I did it for 20 years. I'll do it again. It's all good stuff, man. I appreciate this, dude. This is good. Um, give him a follow, you guys, on Instagram. Check out the YouTube. I'll pump it all in the show notes. If you guys are on the newsletter, this is probably going to come out sometime next week as well. It'll live on the blog. 
and uh, we'll pump it everywhere else too. So I appreciate it, dude. Thanks Thank for you the time. so much. Um, if you guys are on Apple, drop it a five-star, leave a comment. Don't be a lazy ass. Same thing for Spotify. And if you guys want free samples of the greens, hit me up. I'm happy to send them. 40 Days of Fitness kicks off here on March the 6th, and you can do a week for free. And if you think it sucks, I'm happy to send you guys somewhere that is more to your liking. So until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people. And please, you guys, keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.